You're listening to episode 191 of the Sensational Comics Pals. Ah, yes. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. Sensational. You know what else was sensational? That kick ass that I gave Sean yesterday. For those of you who uh, don't know, we played <laughs> and, or rather, I conquered on Super Smash Brothers. Uh, if you guys go back to the tape, you'll see me defeat Sean when he played as his main Pac-Man, as well as his, uh, his <laughs> what was it, his PD Piranha or whatnot, and then his Luigi. Uh, so when you guys go back, review the tape, you'll see that not only did I utterly destroy as Wolf, and then, you know, I threw in Lucina to, like, switch stuff up, um, uh, uh, just go review the tape, watch it, learn it. This is what you guys are going to need to study when when you uh, when you when you try to get up to to this kind of level. Okay. Yeah. Make sure you guys watch out for Marco's tag, Sean B. I, I thought, thought it was really it was clever. Saying. Actually, it was a right? really clever maneuver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Throw off throw off Sean's game by telling Sean he's not even Sean. <laughs> and I, the listeners. <laughs> I, I wasn't there, so I just assumed Marco won. Good job, man. Proud. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I was proud too. Um, my, my my dad texted me afterwards. He said, "I love you." <laughs> first, first time ever. <laughs> I can't sustain these lies anymore. That is complete BS. Uh, I told you guys that I was going to utterly annihilate Marco, and I did. Now nah. I, I will say it was a good it was a good game. We had good games. Um, the first two games I felt like were really competitive. And I, I implore you to go back and watch the video because I thought that Marco put on a good show. Um, and uh, you'll enjoy the, at least the first two rounds. After that, got a little shaky. You know. I won um, one of the, the later rounds too. You did, yeah. You know, uh, I, I switched characters. I, you know, I was, um, I was having good, a good time. But ultimately... It was five to two in my favor. Marco did in fact lose. That is correct. And therefore, and therefore, at some my, point, therefore, my dad touched me and said, "I don't love you." <laughs> so Andre was always my favorite. <laughs> oh, I feel, oh man, I, I feel you. If you want to text about it later, it's okay. I, we can talk about it. <laughs> we been there. We let you leave. That's what he said. <laughs> we wanted you gone <laughs> he's like look I'm just telling you I wanted to confirm your worst fears the reason we had your brother is because you're a massive disappointment <laughs> oh my god we knew it at the age of four <laughs> like this kid's got no macaroni art game we gotta try again <laughs> macaroni art <laughs> I don't think I ever made that. It's the only thing I can think that you would judge a child that young for. Sean, that's because because you're a champion. That's That's true. Sean didn't need to make macaroni art. They knew he was a winner. Marco, are your parents like sayings or something? Like, oh, the battle power of this child is far too low. We need to conceive another one so we can conquer planets. So they made another one because they're trying to get one with better IVs? <laughs> oh yeah, I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> trying, trying for that shiny. Yeah, it's like, look, I it's get like it. Pokemon reference. You know, you love them all, but at some point, you got to just start throwing them out. Yeah, trying again. Whoa, you have to throw so, them out. Re- release, release, Pete. Oh, release. without question. Release yeah. them in the water. You don't throw them away, but you take them to the park and leave them there. You know? Oh no, is that yeah, what your parents that's do? That's what you, we Marco? do. <laughs> no, they took me out back. 
But I escaped. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Old you went on to live with them for 20-something more years. Well, they fed me after that. Oh, okay. So, uh, as per our agreement, a little bit later on, in just a few moments, I'm going to reveal what comic book Marco will have to read. Uh, he's going to read an event, and he's going to pay uh. for the book, right? And physically. he's going to read it, and he's uh. physically, yes, physically. Whoa, that wasn't and part of the agreement. Yes, Damn. it was. It, to- it totally tape. was. Yes, it was. No, I have go to back. read digital. You have to read physical. What? No, yeah, go back to the Go back to the thing. <laughs> Motherfucker's going to have to risk coronavirus and go to Midtown and pick up <laughs> fucking... I'm going to order from Lunar. Cry for justice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want you to get every single issue, okay? <laughs> oh, even worse. You have to read it issue oh, by issue. Man. You can't get the graphic novel. <laughs> and then Marco, you can't get funny. rid of it. Marco will be crying for justice. <laughs> He has to. He has to fucking hang. He has to hang up and frame every issue. <laughs> Before we get into that, and there's a lot of other stuff to cover too. We're going to be reviewing Strange Adventures number two. We're going to be reviewing Dark Knight's Death Metal number one, which we're all excited about. We're also going to talk about quite a bit of uh, news, including some stuff that is not so fun. But before we get into everything. Uh, I do want to let you guys know where you can find us. We're the Comics Pals all over the place. Um, you can uh, catch us on social media at the Comics Pals. We are sensational, but if you type that in, not so sure what will come up. Uh, you can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. You can catch us on YouTube, which if you're on there right now, we much, much appreciate it. That uh, drop us a like, leave us a comment. Share this video with your friends and subscribe to our channel for more content like this. Um, join our Discord. We had an awesome time last night. We got some new people joining our Discord. If you ever want to know what we're up to next, socials and Discord is the way to go. Uh, but in addition, if you follow us on Discord, you can keep the conversation going with us beyond this show. If there's active conversations going on that you want to be a part of, that's the place to do it. In fact, this week uh, we were talking a lot about video games, um, some of the controversial stuff going on there. Harris and I talked about hot sauce. Okay. Hot okay. Sauce, yeah. I like that. As it relates to comics, we had a really good conversation about Tom King's Batman and the New Fifty Two. So, uh, if you're if you care about those things at all, come talk to us about them on Discord. And in one week from tomorrow, so if you're listening to this on Monday, the day it drops, one week from Tuesday, our Killer Be Killed book club will be released. So uh, stay tuned for that. It's a good one. We're excited about it. So uh, buy the book, read the book, come talk to us about the book. Now, Marco. Yes, sir. What book do you think I'm going to make you read? All right, all right. Has to be something. If it's an event, something Batman related. That's all. I, that's all I can guess. Wonderful, wonderful. That's guess. all you can guess. You did everything well, you. Could. I don't think Marco could name five events that we haven't already read for a book club. Is the problem? <laughs> no, no, no hold game. on, hold on. Let's see, see. Infinite Crisis. Uh, uh, did we read that for the book club? No, no, we haven't. No. He's already stalling out. You did one on the long box. 
the I did, um, that, I did identity crisis on the wrong box. Uh, what's the flashpoint? Flashpoint. The, That's one. one. <laughs> <laughs> We're at two. What is the one with? Still didn't do that on a book club. No, yeah. That's the criteria. Thought, yeah. That's the criteria. We're not supposed to do it on a book club. Oh, I thought that. Okay. All right. I was I saying was he that. could only name ones we'd read for a book club. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I wanted him to name five other ones. Oh, 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 um, I, oh. I see. Um, okay. All right. We're, we're, we're all caught Marco up. and I are oh both my God. confused. The one that the uh, uh, something war. Uh, uh, seek, no. Nice. Secret war. The first one. Just start. Oh, okay. S- we did that and for a And the book second club. one. We didn't do the first one for a book club. We did the second or one. Or the second one. No, that yeah, one. We didn't we do did the, the second th- one. For oh, no, we did the third one. We did the fourth one. We did the fourth yes. one. We did the third. The Got away with that one. There was Secret War 1, 2, and then there was Secret War. Secret Invasion. Okay. Secret Invasion right. is one. You're yeah. good. You're yes. Good. You're good. <laughs> I did it. Well, you won't be reading any of those. Uh, Thank God. <laughs> almost all of those are good. Oh. Well, Phil, then. let me turn to you. My friend, my compadre in reading bad events. <laughs> what do you think we should make Marco read? Bad events. Uh, my first thought is Countdown to Final Crisis. Mm, I love that. <laughs> I love it because Marco won't understand anything <laughs> that's happening. And he'll have to drop some fucking money for it. That's brutal. Yeah, that's true. Is there like a limit? Is there an upper limit on on money that can be spent here? No. Well, I, I got I got in trouble for for getting to buy, having to buy them. So. Yeah, but you bet, bro. Like, like, that's that like, point. You that's, shouldn't have fucking lost. Like this is well, the equivalent you, of you of you coming to like a poker game and losing a ton of money and being like, guys, guys, my fiance is gonna be mad at me. It's like, dude, I. You already spent you your watch, to, dude. To the Jackbox stream, we didn't say physical because I did mention that I have the the DC app and could read it on that. Sean, we should no. Sean, we should make him read the onslaught. The bet was for physical. We should make him read the onslaught book. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I need god. To that out. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Oh good. Okay. <laughs> I've been so no 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> I've been so set on Cry for Justice, but I have some other ones too. Cry for Justice so, is so bad. It's extreme. But I also thought about Convergence. Yes, which I also is, thought about Convergence. Oh yeah. wait, I think I've read I've read Convergence. Uh, I, I used to pick up some of those books because they had like some uh, Swamp Thing and Aquaman stuff. I've read parts of it. All right. I also thought about Shadowland. <laughs> no idea. Wolf. I would love for Marco to read Shadowland. That's good. Never heard of it. I also, huh? Never heard of it. Good. There's a reason. <laughs> I also thought about Civil War II. <laughs> oh, wolf. God. Wolf. Which hurts me to say, <laughs> but it's bad. It ain't good. Yeah. So what I think I want to do, what I think I want to do is I think I want to open this conversation up to the people. I think I want, I know I want you guys listening to write in 
tell me what bad event comic Marco should have to read. And there are no restrictions. If it's an event, if it's published by Marvel or DC, it's fair game. Ugh. I don't care what it is. It's got to be bad. And preferably and we're going to look. Yeah, <laughs> long, longer the better. And we're going we're gonna to go over those and we're going to choose. And next week on the show, you will hear which bad event Marco has to read. How about that? I like it. Uh, Sean, you're a diabolical right. mastermind. You're goddamn right. <laughs> <laughs> and I can't wait. Oh, me either. This is so thrilling. In the meantime, if you want to watch a bad movie to pass the, your time, Disney Plus just added Fan Force Oh, <laughs> Ooh, that's a good movie. I saw that. And I was like, oh, man. Like, well, Sean's I'm gonna, watching it. Sean's going to make us watch the, you know, the Snyder Cut. We might as well just watch this, too, just for the kids, <laughs> you know? Has anyone here seen it? Which one? Sorry, well, I, I made that joke. I didn't hear what it was. Fan Force <laughs> Fantastic oh, Four, Josh God, Trank's no. movie. So, no, oh, yes, it. I did. What do you think of it, Marco? That wasn't great. Okay. You know what would actually be a really fun thing to do on the show? Mm. Uh, or, like, as a piece of content, if we made, like, a Final Four bracket of, like, the top 25 worst superhero movies. And, like, Love let's it. just really dig down and figure out which one is truly the worst. Um, <laughs> this, I My understanding about that movie is that like three-fourths of it were pretty well intended like but then mm-hmm. the studio interfered and then the last 25 percent of it is a disaster so let me say this i was actually how, how should i say this i had a boss that you guys also had and he was a vehement defender of this movie what? <laughs> and he what? sat me down in his room oh, God. and said, I need you to watch this with me. <gasps> I did not want to watch it. He proceeded to did you watch pirate the movie. Hmm? He proceeded to pirate the movie. <laughs> this was very late at night, by the way. It's not like, you know, early hours. And for the next two and a half hours or whatever, I had to watch this movie. Sit there and just watch it happen to me. Yeah. That's, he made me watch it. You know what? That's worse than any comic book event Marco could ever read. <laughs> After that, no, you're right. After that, he went on to write an editorial piece about why that movie was being unfairly panned god wow or why it had been unfairly panned yeah unreal i really love when people write opinion pieces that are like my opinion is that everyone else's opinion about this is wrong (laughs) and here's why (laughs) (laughs) the problem is that you don't get it right i can't believe our mutual boss papa john schnauter papa john's made you do that well, I mean, my thing is, once that once he lied about how many pizzas he'd eaten in a year, it's like he did not lie. That comes out he of did that not lie. That's true. He yeah. ate so many pizzas. No, he had one slice from every pie. That's nothing. Unbelievable. Forty slices of pizza, whatever. 
<laughs> I was about to take that down a, a road that doesn't. We don't need <laughs> yep. I know. I had to stop. No, no, no. I'm not going there. Yep. I'm not going to be that right. guy. Let's. You were accused of being that guy, but um, <laughs> you remember that? It took a lot of self control to not be that guy. There you go. Uh, instead, let's get with some listener mail. All right, so this one comes from Grayson Red over on uh, episode 190 of the Comics Pals, which is about the DC Diamond Fallout over on YouTube. And Grayson says, the Marvel blank cover thing is definitely kind of tacky in my opinion. And to be honest, I'm glad that there is going to be some competition for Diamond. Shops may have gotten comfortable with them, but, no- but monopolies are historically toxic for any industry. Thanks for writing in, Grayson. I think we generally agreed with the point about Diamond that you know, it would be good for the industry and healthy that they have competition. Uh, I'm not going to argue with you if you feel like Diamond is a problem for the industry, but I will point out two things. One is that Lunar and DCBS are not competition for Diamond. They're competition for themselves because they only publish DC books. So they're not actually taking... They're not actually taking business away from Diamond that Diamond has access to because DC and Diamond don't want to work together anymore. Although you'll hear later that there has been an update on that story, which we will get to. Um, Go ahead, Pete. One angle that I think is interesting in that, because you're definitely right to say like they're not um, competitors in the traditional way. But I do think that Diamond losing uh, that business from DC is something that will probably motivate them to like make changes and make different moves to try and like close some of that gap, which we talked about last week and how kind of difficult that'll be. But I think that'll be interesting to shake out, even if they're not a direct competitor, that's really going to, you know, give them a run for their money. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's actually talk about that later on. Okay. Um, yeah. Put a pin in it for now. But the other, the other point, that I wanted to make was that your personal issue with Diamond doesn't exactly coincide with the industry's perspective. And I think that might be something to think about. Well, the industry's um, perspective is wrong. And, and let me lay out why. Go ahead. No, that's it. Yeah, you. It was a bit. <laughs> Mar- Marco spent five episodes doing exactly <laughs> that. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm. I'm happy though, Grayson, that you wrote in. As far as the uh, the blank cover thing, uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I think it's fun. I think sometimes you poke fun, and Marvel and DC have been doing that at each other since the dawn. So I don't feel like this is out of bounds at all. I don't think it's out of bounds. I I do think it's tacky. I think it's it's another another case of Marvel taking up more space for no reason. I definitely think it's petty. You don't but identify I like with that, that cow? <laughs> <laughs> <Damn. laughs> Damn. Didn't say I didn't identify with it. I also hate myself for it. <laughs> Jeez. What? Can we do a podcast where Kale lists the reasons he hates himself? No, that sounds <laughs> awful. It'd be as long as this one. There's only so many episodes. <laughs> <that> was- <laughs> Holy shit. Damn. That was a dunk in so many different ways. Like you, you really just brought it all down. Uh, does anyone else have replies to Grayson? He's the Michael Jackson of self-deprecation. Not, not just Kale. I mean, 
Oh. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I think I laid out what I think about the diamond thing. And as far as the Marvel, uh, cover thing, like I, I get where you're coming from. I just think it's more funny than anything else. So like, to me, it's like, it's hard for me to even be like, oh, like that's kind of a shitty thing to do because like, I'm too busy just being like, I can't, that's such a dick move that ah, gets a rise out of me. Like, I, I think it's hilarious. Hell yeah. I don't know. Uh, Either way, thank you, Grayson. Appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, thanks for Also, by the way, yeah, I think that's your first time writing in. Um, love to hear how you found the show. And uh, thank you for listening. Appreciate it, man. So over on the Pals Polls, this is, of course, a segment where we pick a book we're excited about. That's coming out next week. And we talk about it. Uh, so Kale chose the – oh, sorry. Kale and Phil both chose the Green Lantern 80th Anniversary comic that's coming out next week mm. so many yeah. of these this year if it's if it's anything yeah. like the batman and superman ones uh it should be really cool uh green lantern's cool now, so now is the best time for cops right like everything's cool everyone, <laughs> loves, <laughs> everyone loves the police right now so kale and i apparently thought yeah let's support space cops <laughs> Now is the best time for God. It's so funny. I, I always it. forget that. Did you see after John Boyega did his uh, his big speech in London? People were like, "Oh, he should be he should be John Stewart in the Justice League film." I think. Wow. Yeah. Cool. I, Let's make him a black cop. Hold on. <laughs> was, I think I think it was comicbook.com that photoshopped him as a Green Lantern at the protest, yes. and it's like, yes. Oh boy, tone deaf. But talking about the book itself. Uh, we got a lot of good creators on here, like Jeff Lemire, uh, Peter Tomasi, and most importantly, uh, the guy who really brought the Green Lantern to the forefront of comic books, Jeff Johns. So I think Kale said it best. If this is anything like Batman or Superman's anniversaries, uh, this should be this should be really good. Um, Green Lantern was one of my favorite books when I was in high school. I haven't really gone back and read much since, other than the Grant Morrison stuff that feels like kind of a weird 70s uh beat cop story in space which i obviously love but um yeah i don't know i i i like i like character celebration things a lot i gravitate toward that i feel like it'll be particularly interesting with green lantern because like obviously the comparisons that we just made with superman and batman like they're way more like obviously there have been other characters who have had those mantles but it's one person whereas like there are a lot of green lanterns that are mm. someone's green lantern so it'll be interesting to see like how they balance that like i i would think hal's probably gonna get more attention than most but like you're gotta have a nod to like alan and john and you know like not to mention all of the other b and c and d list yeah. lanterns all, out there you all know I want, all i want is a kilowog story <laughs> I, I love Green Lantern for the fact that you can get different kinds of stories under the same umbrella. Yeah. And they're all Green Lantern. I love that. That's awesome. Who's the what's the cat? Who's the Red Lantern? Oh, um Oh. Dexstar? Dexstar. 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 Yeah. Give me a give me a new Dexstar short. <laughs> give me a one page Dexstar story. Oh. Uh, <laughs> you know who's a really underrated Conquick character? I always loved him. Was the the, the the main Blue Lantern uh, Saint Walker? 
Yeah. Saint Walker. Yeah. yeah. Really good. I have that action um, figure somewhere. I don't even think I know who that is. I did too, Cal. So, Marco and Pete both chose Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man trade. Oh, nice. Yeah, we we had uh, Tom Payer along with Stuart Moore on uh, episode one eighty seven, and we talked a little bit about um, the Wrong Earth, which sort of is where this book spins out of. Uh, it's taking those two titular characters. Um, and, uh, we touched on it a little bit on the show. So if you want a little more detail, you can, you can listen to it. But I mean, that book for me was, um, super, uh, I think eye opening, especially for a superhero book. I think I'm typically the one that is most critical of the genre. And I think it, it definitely brought it in a different light that I very much appreciated. Uh, Mark Miller, sorry, go ahead. I just wanted to give a quick elevator pitch if you're not familiar. Like, The Wrong Earth is a story where it's, like, basically a, like, um, the Dragonfly and the Dragonfly Man are two alternate universe versions of the same hero. One is, like, an Adam West-style, like, classic Silver Age, you know, goofy, zany kind of hero. And the other is, like, an 80s grim dark, you know, kind of um, hardcore version of that character. And a lot of analogs to Batman and everything like that. But it's it's really, really well executed. Great art. Really, really fun story. And then this is now prequels about both of them in their own universes before they switched universes which is what the main book is actually about yes all around um, good stuff and i i think these are available for free on comiXology if you have the plus thing whatever that can unlimited unlimited um because that was how i read the wrong earth so I'm, i think this is going to be on there as well so if you're an unlimited person you can uh pick both of these up for free highly recommended oh, cool. we well, really enjoyed them Based, well, with the subscription. I, I with think, the subscription, right? Would you give for like a dollar right now? I think based on everything I've heard you say, Marco, in tandem with, with what Pete said, I think you'll really get a lot out of Cry for Justice when Sean ends up picking that for you. Mm. <laughs> I'm, I'm really hopeful for it. You know, I, I, I love superheroes, so I'm sure that you know I'll, I'll, I'll definitely be able to, to digest all of it. Well, you will be digesting for sure no i think you, he i he really be digested no i really don't think he will be digesting it i think he'll get indigestion <laughs> marco if i pick cry for justice when you what when you read that book and you feel like crying for justice <laughs> don't cry to me put it on put it on instagram live he'll look up and, and scream help me and sean will look down and whisper no no, no. <laughs> I gotta tell you, man. When I was when that Watchmen movie trailer first came out, and I heard that line, there was nothing cooler on earth than Rorschach when he said that. Of course, you know I was I was younger and stuff, but I I love that. Oh, I totally I agree. Yeah, awesome. I remember thinking that that just like his monologues were like so badass. You know? <laughs> Hell yeah. Yep. Sean's journal. Uh, Marco cried out for help when I made him read a shitty comic. <laughs> he's, he's not unlike a blood-sucking prostitute on the streets. He has to help himself. <laughs> he has to pull himself up from the, the piss-covered sewers. And the, <laughs> the muck. <laughs> pull himself out of the muck by his bootstraps. The, the muck of Image Comics, and he's got to read... On his own. Damn, that would be a really good second, like, uh, middle arc to Marco's story of him having to pull himself out of the swamp. Mm. I'm writing your story now, Marco. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. 
Hashtag uh, what was Marco? Oh no, <laughs> that's a throwback. Damn. <laughs> Not anymore. That was bestowed upon me by uh, that Papa John's guy. No, that oh. I, I did that. That no, was Kale me. Made that up. Yeah. Don't don't do that. Wait, I was that it? was me. No. Yeah, yeah, it was. Bro, it, it was DiGiorno, not Papa Listen, John's. Hey, swear to God, it was me. <laughs> that is a Kale Ward original. Swear to me. <laughs> I I hope that there's someone listening to this right now who thinks we really just worked at Papa John's. We all amazing. worked at Papa John's. That's that how we amazing. met, dude. <laughs> I love those pepperoncinis. Oh man, dude! I feel like Sean working at a Papa John's is like a, just a death waiting to happen. Like that, I don't trust you to be around that much cheese. That just seems dangerous. I thought you were gonna say I would kill a customer, which well is also possible. But with the amount of pizza that old Papa John ordered for us, like <laughs> it was basically a Papa John's. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Marco chose string bags. What's that? So string bags is a dead reckoning book, which is part of the U.S. Naval Press. Um, I met with these guys last year's Comic Con, and um, basically they uh, they put out a lot of like wartime sort of comics and and related. Uh, and that's something outside of like comics poetry that I've also been uh, slightly interested in. I, I did an interview with Wayne Van Sant, which you can go back and listen to. Uh, he did Katusha along with All Quiet on the Western Front. He's pretty mm. famous for his um, his Nam stuff back in the 70s and 80s. And um, so this book specifically is by Garth Ennis and PJ Holden. And I don't know if you guys know this by Garth Ennis, but he loves war comics. <laughs> like he's... He, it, yeah, he's, dog. He's huge about this stuff. Uh, so when I got when um, I was actually given an, an ad, uh, advanced copy for for this one from the fine folks over at oh, Dead Reckoning. Wow. Um, so just a quick shout out. I'm, I'm going to be reading this over the the weekend. So um, super excited to dig into it. Thank you guys again. And uh, yo Garth Ennis and anything war related, uh, very good. U.S. Naval Press, huh? Yeah. I chose Empire <laughs> Number Zero. I am a sucker for Marvel Comics events. And Empire shaping up to be pretty cool. We actually read or watched the trailer for it, um, which we are going to talk about. And um, I'm really interested in seeing what they're going to do with Hulkling. Uh, This is the first Marvel event in a while that I feel like I care about. So I'm in. Uh, number zero is being drawn by Pepe Larraz. Uh, Al Ewing is writing. Uh, Dan Slott is, uh, while well, they're writing it together. Um, so it's a pretty good creative team. I, I don't know. Dan Slott, eh, lately. With Fantastic Four, not good. But uh, Empire is shaping Al up to Ewing, be awesome. Al Ewing, man. Like Mortal I, Hulk. I don't care about this event, but Al Ewing attached makes me curious. Uh, were you on the show when we read Guardians number one by him? Yes. Uh, that was pretty good, right? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would. And issue two was pretty good, too. Immortal Hulk has been outstanding, so... Yeah. <clears throat> I'm excited to see what uh, he has to say in Empire. It's cool that he's like getting the bump, you know, to do like a, an event, a bigger thing. Yeah, it's tough, man. Like it's a tough bump. Like it's it's not as easy. 
Um, there's a lot more editorial supervision, and um, it's not everyone can do it. So I'm hoping, pulling for him. And there's so many creative limitations too. You know, like not not just from editorial, but like you know, you only have so much time to do this thing, and you know, like you want to tell this massive story about two of the most established, you know, like species in the MCU or you know do or not MCU uh, in the Marvel universe like doing something totally different like I don't know it's there's a lot there for sure but it's it's not that different it's it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's Kree and the scrolls doing what Kree and scrolls do it's like, a war it's like it's it's like training on King Kai's planet not everyone can handle the 10 times the earth's gravity you know true there are a lot of writers that have handled events in the past who I felt like were ill suited for it um, and Al Ewing isn't one of them. I feel like Al Ewing is very, very rooted in Marvel comics lore and space stuff in particular. And he's super passionate about that corner of it. So I think uh, if anybody at Marvel were a good pick for something like this, I feel like he is that. So that's a big reason why I'm motivated and uh, I can't wait. Of course. Did you, uh, did you read... Uh royals sean no it was in that time period where uh black bolt uh was off doing his thing and then the book itself is about uh the inhumans going to find like the old uh gods or whatever whatever they're called and yes and like trying to i don't even remember what they were doing but uh ewing wrote it and it was actually really really good Nice. He's got jobs. He's got a really good, really good head for Cosmic Marvel for sure. Very cool. Maybe I'll have to swing back around and check that out. Okay. So, uh, we now have the unfortunate responsibility of talking about uh, some very bad things that are going on in the comics industry. Uh, over the last few days, uh, of, of several creators, but the two most prominent ones I that I saw were Warren Ellis and Cameron Stewart, uh, were accused of sexual misconduct of varying degrees. Um, some of it definitely more insidious than others. Uh, again, you know, this is a tough subject, but, it, you know, we do this show and... We feel like it's our responsibility to bring you this stuff because uh, it's what's happening. So uh, I want to start with Cameron Stewart. Um, Cameron Stewart has been around for a while. Uh, he, he did the the Batgirl um, of Burnside run. Yeah, right. And then, uh, oh, God, what else has he done? Uh, Motor Crush, which is, you know. This is maybe not the time to say this, but it's a really good book. Uh, and, and a lot of other stuff, too. I feel like he did some Batman. He did some Batman stuff, right? With Grant Morrison. Yeah, that sounds right. He did. He did uh, the Shazam book for Multiversity. Okay. Yeah. So he's been around. So that's that's the point I'm trying to get across. He, I think he, he's doing like Fight Club comics fight, fight club yeah. two fight, fight, fight club, club three two. yeah mm-hmm. oh and that was like a yep. thing he was he collaborated with um the original writer on right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. chuck Powell. so <laughs> yeah that that individual 
uh, is being accused of, like I said, sexual misconduct. But in this case, he's being accused of grooming teenagers uh, and, and, and other young people that aren't necessarily of a legal age. Um, one of the allegations that I saw was someone who was 16. Yeah, while he was uh, in his 30s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, others, he was nine, or they were 19, things like that. And uh, I'll, I'll just, I guess I'll just read, you know, their, their words. So uh, this one comes from Aviva Mai, who uh, spoke about this on Twitter. And they said, hey, that post about being groomed as a teenager, I'm talking about Cameron Stewart, the comic book artist. We met when I was 16, and he was in his 30s, maybe 32. It was 2009. Took me a long time to realize what had actually happened, what he was doing, and that we were never actually friends. Uh, Kate Leth also says that that happened to her. Uh, She said, I just want to back Aviva up by saying this happened to me too. I still have the drawing of death he drew me on a piece of hotel stationery. I was 19. He was 32. Uh, So apparently this is one of those well-known secrets in the industry where this is something he's known to be doing. Uh, He was also accused of um, doing this frequently in the Toronto comic scene by Andrea DeMonicos, uh, who said, I've been friends with folks in the Toronto comics community for a decade. It was widely known that Cameron Stewart was a predator and he'd been basically chased out of town after pissing off too many people. I've warned women away from him multiple times. That's pretty bad, right? And you can read more of the, the accusations against him on Twitter. You can head over there. Uh, they're very available. He has lost now um, opportunities with uh, with DC. Um, I, f- I don't have it right in front of me what he was working on, but um, uh, that whatever that was, he's no longer working on it. I'll pull it up here in a moment. Uh, what do you guys think? It's <clears throat> shitty, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, unfortunately, like, I don't, it's one of those situations where I don't feel like there's much more to even say than that. Cause like, you know, obviously, um, you know, allegations are allegations, right? But when there are so many people coming forward and they all follow the same pattern and back each other up, it's like, okay, like, it seems pretty clear that this is what he was doing, right? And that it was a known thing and he was able to, you know, basically probably skirt around it because he's talented. Um, and to the point you made, like he's contributed to a lot of notable books and done good work that people like. So, you know, we've reported on stories in the past about how that happens in this industry, where if you're someone who's a, who's a pro or a vet, you know, and like you have some sway, like you can get away with some of this shit, um, until you can't. And it seems like that's what happened, that he was doing this. It was a thing that people knew. It was a thing that, you know, women in the industry warned other women about, but nobody wants to be the first one to come forward and get a target on their back. Um, so he got away with it until he until now. So, you know, my, my uh, ultimate statement with this is that 
you know, I really appreciate the women who he did this to who came forward and were honest about it because they're going to get a lot of heat for that. And they might lose opportunities or, or stuff like that because of that, because some other editor or publisher, whoever, who might also be complicit in something like that doesn't want someone who's going to be a whistleblower. Right. And like, we all know how that, that kind of thing goes in, in, you know, creative spaces. So I think it is brave of them to come forward and, and be honest about their experience. And um, yeah, it, it's just shitty. It's shitty that this happens and that it keeps happening. And, you know, um, I would love for there to be a day where like, you know, we, we don't have to worry about these kinds of stories anymore where young people aren't being taken advantage of people that they look up to as, you know, um, heroes or, or creative, you know, uh, idols or like goals to strive towards, like looking at their career and thinking that someone gives a shit about them and is taking an interest in them and is really just looking to use them. You know, that's horrible. It's a horrible thing to do to someone. Yeah, man, it's cre- it's creepy. It's creepy as shit. Like, listen, nine times out of ten, messaging like a teenager as a grown ass adult is like, there's something off about it. Unless you're like a teacher or like a, like a mentor of some kind, you know. Um, and then like, I don't know, it, it it's. It's un it's very uncomfortable when that when like a grown ass adult is exploiting the naivety of like a teenager. It's gross. I feel responsible to add because I understand that there are people who might say, Well, they were just talking or you know, whatever. Uh Evelyn Hollow uh at underscore Evelyn Hollow on Twitter wrote uh, se- several pages of notes, I guess, on the subject. And it's long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want to point out something that I think is important. Uh, they met when she was 17. He started DMing her, quickly got flirtatious. They ended up in the same city. Uh, when she was 18, he had drinks with her. They went to the hotel room. Things happened. Not uh, actual sex but other things and uh, she goes on to say that when she was 22 years old uh, she was in talking to him about you know her suicidal attempts her suicide attempts and he said I'll just read her words just remember the time I opened up to him about failed suicide attempts and he told me quote well if it didn't work why didn't you immediately try again oh, what the fuck I understand, and I'm not agreeing, so please, you know, don't come at me, but I understand how someone could say, well, you know, she was of legal age, uh, and there's nothing legally wrong with it, morals you can quabble about, but every quibble about, but everyone has different morals. Okay, fine. But to then go on to encourage that person's, you know, suicide, um alongside with you know what we would consider to be grooming and then the the end game of that grooming being to tell that person to go kill themselves or you know encouraging that that is beyond the pale that seems like another level uh and that's where i really was lost in this whole thing i feel like that like clearly shows like a pattern of 
you know, I don't want to be, like, hyperbolic and call the guy a sociopath, but, like, that's a fucking, a normal person doesn't tell anyone to do something like that, right? Like, that's not a normal fucking thing at all. Um, and, and also, I think that the whole, like, uh, and, and again, not to put words – not that you were agreeing with this, but I think that whole narrative of the whole like they were you know, they were 18 or they were 19 or whatever, right? Like when you also have that coupled in that he was definitely talking to girls who were not that age, yeah, that's like – Right. Okay, cool. He was talking to them when they were just literally legal. Awesome. That's uh, still an adult man going out of his way to try and make connections with – Young people who are vulnerable, who are trying to find themselves, who are hopeful creatives, looking to make a connection with somebody whose work they admire. Like, that is, like, textbook, dude. You know? Um, has has he said anything regarding the allegations? He, he shut down his Twitter at this point, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't see any words on his part prior to that. Kale, did you see something different? I, I have, I've been following this whole thing pretty close. I haven't seen anything from him at all. Yeah. Like, like yeah. outside of his, his email response. Do you have that? Cause his I never, response. I never saw that. Yeah. So he, um, uh, he was, he, uh, reached out to her subject line and apology. Um, and uh, there's a thread she she recently posted this like uh yesterday um and it basically he uh from her twitter so cameron stewart emailed me to apologize for encouraging my suicide but not grooming me and started a sexual relationship with me when i was 17 years old spanning years when he was 36 plus years old as he did with dozens of young girls he's only sorry that he got caught and then there's uh some screen grabs of her and, and their email exchange um, but that's that's the only thing I've I've seen outside of that. <sighs> it lo- it looks like his Twitter is still closed up. So yeah, I, it seems like he's just battening down the hatches. Yeah, he um in, in his email he sent uh that he's profoundly sorry, devastated to hear that he encouraged you know, bullshit stuff, and then he he ends it with <laughs> I've already begun counseling to address and hopefully correct my behavior. I do not want to cause any further harm and want to atone for the harm that I've done. Um, yeah, man, he got outed and he's playing to that now. Uh, it's it's shit. Like that's shitty. I that's love it. I love when people get accused or not even accused, right? When they when they get their dirty laundry aired out and they're like, "I am so upset to learn that I caused you to feel that way." It's like, okay, sure, sure you are. Man, here's the thing that gets me is reportedly like this happened enough times that uh, he he was thrown out of Toronto. He moved right. to and I think I think Kate Les said something to the effect of he was going to uh, Berlin or something to uh, meet new women because he'd basically uh met everybody in the country or something <sighs> the scope of this is baffling to me because i know someone who knows that last person you were just talking about evelyn hollow hollow yeah i got a dm from a friend of mine in glasgow who like is personal friends with her wow 
and I like that was blew me away. Yeah, uh, it's it's messy and it sucks. And again, I I want to say this because I un, I like I know there are a lot of people out there who have uh, counter arguments, right? Like, okay, well, if he spoke to someone who was younger than him, you know, that was 18 and it's legal, what's the big deal? If it were a situation where that was a relationship that was authentic and genuine and real and the person on the other end of it didn't feel, you know, taken advantage of and everything was consensual and great and you know whatever that's a different thing than there being so many people right who are also either underage or very close to that who are saying the same thing that this guy was chased out of the town he was at right like that's a that's a big difference so i'm saying that because i want you to keep that in mind right like this is not a normal level of of activity on his part right there's something going on there beyond him just wanting to make a connection a genuine connection with a person yeah and so and like and i think that's like there are so many ways where this story has a different narrative right because like i think even if even if to your point right like he was an older guy who had a proclivity for dating younger women i would still probably like look at him a little bit suspect and be like okay like why, why aren't you dating a girl your own age or who's like 10 years younger than you instead of 30? Like, okay, that's whatever. But there's a, there's a big difference between uh, like going out and honestly seeking to engage in that with younger women versus having a relationship that you are presenting as a friendship and as like a, a mentorship and then trying to parlay that into sex. Like, that is manipulation, you know? And, like, there's nothing about that that's honest. There's nothing about that that is, you know, um, you know, like, like you said, like, above board. You know? It's yeah. just not. Yeah. So, enough of Cameron Stewart. Uh, DC also decided it's enough of Cameron Stewart. They dropped him from a, pro- a project that actually was unannounced. So, um, yep. we don't know what it was, but... He's canceled at DC. Uh, as well as um, uh, the Ice Cream Man. He had a variant that was going to be coming out. Um, Mar- right. uh, Marazzo, um, the one of the artists on it, he, he recently said that they're, they're not going to be running with his, his variant cover as well. Yeah. So that's a bummer. But the next one that we have to talk about is probably more of a bummer. Just because of the individual that it is, uh, we're talking Warren Ellis. So Warren Ellis has been accused of uh, sexual misconduct uh, by way of grooming, once again, unfortunately, of uh, younger women, much younger women. Um, There are text messages that have been released uh, that clearly display his activity um denver primrose who is one of the individuals that accused warren ellis 
uh, says, I have years of emails from Warren Ellis leading me to think we were friends, then leading into sex chat. It was like a clang in my head when I joyously mentioned talking to other creators and he dropped me like hot garbage. You know, on dating apps, I made friends with guys who actually teased me with, you're not the only girl on here who is friends with Warren Ellis. We were all bragging. We all were alt models who liked comics. I do regret being that naive and needy. Uh, so included in a Bleeding Cool article is a DM uh, from Warren Ellis uh, or you know two DMs that say, I'm always here, sweetheart. You do know I miss you, right? Um, I am less familiar, I think, with this story than uh, the other one. Uh, this one, and I'm open to being corrected due to lack of information. Uh, in this one, it seems like Warren Ellis was talking to quite a few girls at the same time. It sounds, uh, at this point, based on tweets that have come out like today and, and yesterday, uh, it sounds like the people who were originally the the you know the accusers are talking to upwards of 60 women oh my yeah. god uh and that's that's over time right that's over the course of of 20 years or or i, I guess like it's gotta that. be yeah and the implication is that he was talking to multiple women at a at any given time um i personally never saw any dms or comments that he made or comments that are uh, put on him by other people suggesting that he said anything that was or did anything that was um, uh, nefarious you know not, nothing that's like I didn't read anything that suggested that he raped anybody or you know physically put himself upon anyone or like in the last instance uh, you know told someone to commit suicide I didn't see anything like that from what I understand, the allegation is more just that he was talking to people who were fans of his and uh, they felt he was using his status to have uh, sexual relationships via DM or whatever at the time, since this was going on for so many decades. Um, and that after a while of that, he stopped speaking to them. That's is that correct, Kale? Would you say that's yeah? That uh, I, I, that sounds correct to me. Yeah, I, okay. I don't know that I've come across anything that says Warren Ellis was ever uh, uh, actually physical with uh, any of these people. Though I, that it seems like that hasn't. If that's true, that hasn't come out yet. I'm certainly not discounting, you know, the fact that it, it could have happened. I want to read just a little bit uh, from one of the the women, uh, Jane Holmes. Uh, and again, there are many others who have said things. Um, she said, my Me Too story of Warren Ellis is backed up with an archive of hundreds of emails and photos that spans years. We were prey yet, didn't know it because we were so, so young. Especially here we all, it's nearly 20 years later and more women he's been interfering with are still finding me through back channels. And we know there were girls before us too. We're not talking a small handful, but a consistent multi-decade predator. When it was us... There were four to five girls at once. How many in total? How many right now? It's obvious in retrospect that he found me in part because he was looking for more Vancouver-based girls. The global frequency pilot was shooting there, and he wanted to have a soft landing. Uh, um, uh, so that, you know, 
that's that's her account. And then she goes on to say, the pattern is dreadfully clear. One, he found me when I was young, vulnerable, uncertain. Two, he acted like a mentor, gave me so much appreciated attention. Three, but pushed boundaries. Four, he said I was his world. We were best friends. He was my thrilling secret. He supported my career, so I didn't feel like I could say no. Five, he dropped me. I blame myself. Stories are steadily coming in. The private chat has 20-plus members. Our stories all match, even though we're mostly strangers. Evidence stretches back to the 90s. Um, yeah. And, and there are more women coming forward with sharing their stories as well. Yeah, which leads me to believe that we're going to get more information. And I wouldn't – to Kale's point, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this story continue to escalate. I think um, I think Alice responded to these though, didn't he? He did. He, he did, and I, we'll get to that. Okay. Um, I, I guess I can just read his response now. Uh, he says, hello, please – Forgive the lateness of my appearance. I've been speaking to people and listening carefully for a few days. Recent statements have been made about me that need to be addressed. I have never considered myself famous or powerful to the point where I've made a lot of bad jokes about it for 20 odd years. It had never really occurred to me that other people didn't see it the same way, that I was not engaging as an equal when gifted with attention, but acting from a position of power and privilege. I did not take that into account in a number of my personal interactions, and this was a mistake, and I own it. While I've made many bad choices in my past and I've said a lot of wrong things, let me be clear, I have never consciously coerced, manipulated, or abused anyone, nor have I ever assaulted anybody. But I was ignorant of where I was operating from at a time I should have been clear, and for that I accept 100% responsibility. I hurt people deeply. I I am ashamed for for these mistakes and I am profoundly sorry. I will not speak against other people's personal truths and I will not expose them to the toxicity of the current discourse i should have been more aware more present and more respectful of those people's feelings and for that i apologize i've had friendships and relationships end sometimes in bitterness often due to my own failings and i continue to regret and apologize for the pain i have caused i have always tried to aid and support women in their lives and careers but i have hurt many people that i had no intention of hurting i am culpable i take responsibility for my mistakes I will do better, and for that I apologize. I apologize to my friends and collaborators for having created this situation, and I hope they will be treated kindly. Mistakes and poor choices in my personal life are not on them, but only on me. We have a responsibility to one another every day, and I have, in my past, let too many people down. I hope to one day become worthy of the trust and kindness that was placed in me by my colleagues and and friends. I will continue to listen, learn, and strive to be a better human. I have sought to make amends with people as I have been made aware of my transgressions and will continue to do so. I've apologized. I apologize and will continue to apologize and take total responsibility for my actions without equivocation. I'm going to be quiet now to listen more than I speak for other voices matter far more than my own right now. I will be closing this newsletter. Thank you for your past support. Look after yourselves. I leave it to you guys. Uh, I mean, compared to Cameron, uh, it's a it's a better response. I think it's <laughs> given that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that that's about all I can give him. I feel like, um, and and depending on you know, the the how how much more comes out, and how much more. Yeah, I guess depending on how much more we we start to learn, um, we'll sort of paint the picture from there. But I mean, it's still not like this. Obviously, isn't gonna be 
the end of the story and not going to be enough, I think, either, especially for these women. And so a, a better approach, Warren, but like it's still shitty. I think the thing the thing that bothers me is, and, and this came up a few weeks ago in just something, um, I don't even remember what it was, but it was something um, he was celebrated on Twitter because in some interview he said something to the effect of, it, basically what he said here, I've never seen myself as famous or groundbreaking or, you know, something like that. And basically everybody on Twitter was like, uh, you're Warren Ellis. I think I think the thing that bugs me about that here is that it seems like the majority of this happened on his Warren Ellis forums. Uh, a place where he had power, a place where he had, apparently, uh, according to uh, uh, Dr. Nerdlove, who was supposedly there, uh, wrote a big uh, article about everything that happened there uh, with Warren Ellis and the culture that was uh, surrounding those forums and was involved in those forums, Warren knew about and actively engaged in. He called himself Stalin. Like, I just, I don't, I think, I, I, I think that's fine. I think it's fine to be humble. Um, but I think, I think in this case, it feels disingenuous to ignore that. To like act like and that's it, an excuse. He's like, yeah, I didn't realize yeah. how much power I had in those situations. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. I feel very similar to you guys where obviously this is a better statement than um, than what we read from Cameron and what we've read from, I think, some other creators when similar allegations have been levied against them, particularly that he's making the point of like, I apologized, I'm, I'm still sorry, and I will continue to be sorry. And like, those are nice sentiments. But what matters is his action from here, right? Because, like, I think that there are moments in it that do, I feel like, to Kale's point, ring, like, um, hollow for me. Where, like, him um, making that point about not realizing how powerful he was or whatever is, like, all right, I don't really – that seems like a kind of a shallow excuse, but fine, um, obviously you're a comic book creator. That's not the same as being like a fucking movie star or whatever. Fine. But still a dichotomy. You have fans. And if you have fans, there's power there. Right. So that's in and of itself, uh, a thing that I would, I take a little bit of umbrage with. I think the thing that I am bothered more by is the, the paragraph where he says, I've always tried to aid and support women in their lives and careers, but I have hurt many people that I had no intention of hurting. Um, yeah, I don't know about that one, man. Like, it, it feels like a weird thing to say in what is supposed to be an apology for how you have had bad interactions with women. To be like, I have always uh, tried to aid and support women. It's like, well, a lot of these women seem to disagree. So, like, whether or not that was your intention, that doesn't feel like a thing you should claim when you're trying to apologize. Like, it's really weird to me. I feel like there really there should be like two ways to approach this sort of thing in my mind, which is either deny it because you believe it's not true, which is one thing. Like fine, like you know, then it becomes a he said, she said, whatever. Or if you acknowledge it, don't fill it with a million caveats and shit. Just fucking own it and apologize. 
Yeah. And I'm reminded of um, – there was like a similar situation to this with uh, Dan Harmon who's most known for community and like Rick and Morty where he had had an allegation against him during the Me Too movement from one of the main writers on community. And he came out, apologized, did an entire podcast episode where he recounted the entire series of events from his perspective and you know was literally like – here's everything that I did wrong and why I did it. And it's not an excuse, but what I did was wrong. And I, I took advantage of my situation and like, I was the bad guy in this scenario and I'm sorry. Right. And that felt very like genuine because it's like, Hey, here's me going line by line and owning all of my fucking bullshit in this and not trying to make an excuse and not trying to pass the buck in any kind of way or say, Here's how, you know, I made a mistake. It's just like, no, I fucked up because I was a selfish, fucked up person. And I'm sorry and I don't want to be that person anymore. And, like, that's what you – that's – I think if you are met with this kind of allegation and you genuinely feel sorry, that feels like the move. Not let me write a thing that is mostly apologetic but just just tactfully pepper in some things that remove a little bit of – culpability the irony that will allow people who are fans to give me that rope the irony is if you're being accused of gaslighting and you gaslight an apology it's like okay dude we see through it right and and that's where i'm at with this is i want to believe his intentions are good here i want to believe that it was uh you know a, a person who acted uh in in bad faith but by accident you know like but i don't i don't think that's that seems way less likely than he's an old creep. Well, and oh, man, I hate to even fucking I I don't even think by accident is appropriate. I think it's just sort of I think it's just sort of one of those things that you do because that's what you want to do. You just don't connect that it's not okay. Sure. Yeah. Um, I am struggling with this, trying to separate the fact that I like Warren Ellis as a creator very much from the events in question, and sometimes that can be hard to do. Um, that being said, I feel like... Because, okay, so because there's no, I assume, at this point where we're at, no possibility for legal or law ramifications, right? Like, he's probably not going to go to jail unless a more serious allegation comes out of legal wrongdoing. Um, there is no end game for uh, justice, I guess, right? Uh, unfortunately, these women will never be able to not have had those experiences. This will, you know, be with them for the rest of their lives, um, whatever amount of pain that causes them now. And there's actually nothing that he can do about that, right? So, what is the what is satisfactory in a situation like that, right, where there's no ability to right a wrong? Uh, we all have our own threshold for that. In our personal lives, we can just say, you know, I don't want to be around you anymore. And all these women 
you know, can say, I don't want to be around Warren Ellis anymore. But we as the people, right, who are observing this situation, but not actually in it, at what point do we say, okay, um, for me, this apology is a point at which I'm willing to say, okay, now what? You know, now you've apologized. To me, to my eye, it seems genuine. This is actually one of the most genuine of any of the apologies that I've ever seen from anyone who's ever been accused of anything. Uh, And so now, of course, it's up to his actions now. Does he continue to do this? Will we see allegations that come out after this point, right? That color what he said further. Right. Uh, and, and hopefully that's not the case. Hopefully there are no more allegations. But my question is, and it's not necessarily one that we need to debate here, but it's uh, he's apologized. He's bared himself. These women have bared themselves and laid him to bear with these accusations. Rightfully, I'm not even trying to say that this is yeah. not right. Um I guess what I'm saying is, at what point do we let an apology be that? And that, and that's that. And I, there's I, a quote. Sorry, oh, there's oh, a quote oh. here uh, in the thread from which, in, in which Warren Ellis posted this apology on Twitter, and someone uh, added a comment that says, "There's just something unsustainable about an environment that demands constant atonement, but actively disdains the very idea of forgiveness." And I think. Um, I think that's a worthwhile question, and I think um, for me, the when do you let an apology be an apology? I think on a personal level, and I'm not, you know, this is my virtues, right? I I feel like it's based on the quality of the apology, the actions that come following the apology, and do the people who the apology is for on any level, believe or accept it. Cause I totally acknowledge a point where like, even if Warren is sorry and it wasn't something that he did uh, with, with malice, right. But he still caused that pain and yeah. these, his victims can't forgive him. That's their right. That's okay. Of course. Um, But, I also think that, um, again, like in the, the, the Dan Harmon example, right? Like the writer in question um, acknowledged his apology and said, I think this is just about the best apology that you could have offered. And that doesn't undo what you did, but it gives me some closure. It makes me feel a little bit better about it. Um, it makes me feel like you're acknowledging my pain and actually taking it seriously. And... Those are the things that are important for me before I'm able to, as a, um, you know, as a fan, uh, but also as like a, a pundit, you know, like that's where I like the line is for me where whether or not Warren gets to keep his seat at the table, whether or um, not his legacy goes untarnished. Is that like, what does he do from here? And how do the people feel about what he does from here? It's 
it's it's the problem with with that is it, it makes it every it, it turns everything into a into a entity a large entity of like well how do we as a culture accept this together and I don't think it's that simple I think when it comes to X like this it really is an individual an individual basis and the reality is when you apologize no one has to accept the apology for better or worse right and so Warren Ellis could you know, join a monastery and become a monk and everything. And like, doesn't mean that he's, he's, he's cleared his karma and he's a moral person in the eyes of the people that he's inflicted because those are just acts that have been done. But his vic his, his alleged victims don't have to forgive him for you to think, okay, I, I believe that he apologized in earnest and I believe him. Uh, that that's just the thing, right? It's a person to person basis because ultimately, none of us were party to what to being there for any of these alleged actions, and the, like pop culture as a whole might not accept his apology, but if like you were to, like that'd be your prerogative, you know. It's it's it, I don't think it's that that's just kind of the situation. And for Warren Ellis, he just has to live with the fact that. He probably did a really shitty thing, and people might not ever get over it. Yeah, I was more, I was more speaking on the from the perspective of. It's important how we handle forgiveness as a people. It, it it matters how we as a society handle that, especially in a time where so many of these things are coming out. Um, if we're not just going to kill these people, right, and if we're not just going to ostracize them from from you know or or if we're not going to kill them but we're going to let them exist how do we deal with the fact that they still exist what's the relationship there and i think it does matter what people like as a whole do with this with these kinds of feelings because that impacts every aspect of our lives how we deal with these feelings so i'm not saying anyone needs to do anything and certainly not the people that he harmed i'm talking about the wider people um and i think it's something to think about but we really really do actually have to move on um because this is a long show uh i do want to say warren ellis did lose and i think we all lost the opportunity to read well he lost the opportunity for it to be read but we lost the opportunity to read the b-rex story that was upcoming in the uh legends of the dark knight um one shot that they were putting out for death metal that got replaced uh so no more no more b-rex it's extinct uh and <laughs> Yo, let somebody else write a B-Rex story. I need B-Rex books. <laughs> Instead, we're getting a two-page story in that same issue by Margaret Bennett and Jamal Eigel. So, Is it about B-Rex? Oh, shit. You know what? Don't think so. Fuck. I think that might be just as good, if not better. It's not about B-Rex. It can't be better. <laughs> Margaret Bennett rules. Yeah. But we'll see. Well, after all that, it feels like we need to have a party. Well, you know, not a physical party because that could end in <laughs> that could end in coronavirus. Um, we all need to die at a barbecue <laughs> after that. <laughs> hey, uh, but I think we need some good news, and that good news is that Free Comic Book Day is back. But it's not a day now. 
Free Comic Book Day will be a summer-long event. So, uh, retailers are going to be getting several, five to six, Free Comic Book Day titles with their weekly comic book shipments during every week of this promotion. So, it's going to run from July all the way through to September, uh, starting July 15th, and we're going to get a bunch of different free comic book day offerings. They're listed here. Um, it's, it's, it's quite a bit. So I'm not actually going to read this whole thing out. You guys can take a look for yourselves. We'll have a link to that in the description. Um, but it is a lot of books. And in a way I kind of like this because you do get the opportunity to engage with stuff in a, in a smaller way. So you go to your store on the 15th and here are all these books. And if you come back next week, here are all these books. And hopefully there's enough for everyone. But it's a lot of content that allows you to experience things you might not otherwise. When I go for free comic book day, most of the time, the biggest books that they have available are basically gone. You only have a few small offerings and then it's just over now. So I kind of like this. I like this too because we've talked in the past about how free comic book day is really important. To retailers yeah. and there's an argument to be made that having one day is better because then it's a thing that people have to come do and like it's an event it's like a thing of it right you get the kids you go and get them a free book you go get ice cream whatever with this i to sean's point i feel like that could be really really cool of if they do extend it like this where you come for your free book and then you're like oh we can get another one next week yeah we'll come back you know and like you get that – you start habitualizing going to the store and getting your free books and then maybe the kids are like, oh, can we go to the store again this week? And maybe you don't get a free thing but they get a book anyway, you know, because the parents are like, oh, they, they want to read? Great. I, I I could see it playing out that way and I, I think that could be really cool. Yeah, that, that was going to be what, I'm, uh, what I was going to bring up is just you build that, that habit to your point, Pete, and I think um, – I think also it, it's going to be helpful to encourage people who are still wary of going out to the stores, like people who might still be nervous uh, and, and deciding whether or not it's it's sort of safe to do so. Um, and I mean, people show out for free stuff. So like, I, I imagine this is enticing enough for some for some people who are, are still nervous. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm into it. Um, I'm wondering though how this will be handled for stores that are not open to the public yet even on July 15th will they package the free comic book day stuff with everyone who chooses curbside if you ask for your books to be delivered to you which some stores are offering will they package that stuff there Um, lots of questions that need answered but it sounds like that's going to be on a more individual store basis so yeah, I definitely think like there are problems that come with this, but I think if the experiment plays out, it could it could be a better model for sure. Mm. There's some cool books on this list too. You want to know what a cool book is, Pete? I sure the, do. The Bible. 
Damn, you nope. right. <laughs> Damn. That's Get those the good red news. letters, baby. Oh yeah. <laughs> Let me talk to you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm so glad you Let's guys are here with me not today. Not do that. Uh, a cool book. <laughs> the is... real comic pal. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You guys like Superman. You know who else was a good uh, blue collar hero? Jesus Christ. <laughs> he was a carpenter. Worked with his hands. <laughs> well, if you think about it, the the apostles or weren't those the followers of Jesus? They were kind of like the Jesus pals <laughs> or the Justice League. <laughs> yeah, I'm into it. We have Can our I own Peter? Saint Peter. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Damn, which one am I? All those apostles, like Saint Marco, Saint John. <laughs> no, I'm definitely Judas. That's yeah, that's true. I feel like. Okay, all right. You think you're nah, Judas, Sean? Nah, <laughs> no. I mean, let's not even get into all that. You're not fake um, like that. He's St. Paul. He'd be Marco. He's St. Paul. He'd be Marco. <laughs> Ooh, I could see that, yeah. Ugh. Late late convergence, but very uh, to the point and uh, uh, influential about it. You're way too... I could see that. You're way too enthusiastic for Jesus pals right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 actually actively losing my enthusiasm. <laughs> um, Finally, we're fucking talking about something good. No, what we're gonna talk about that's good is the trailer for Marvel's Empire. Oh no, yeah. this, I'd rather talk about the Jesus Palace. <laughs> I, I bet. Uh, so we all watched this trailer, and normally I don't really care a ton about the trailers that Marvel puts out. I feel like they have not been so good lately. A lot of times it'll just have the creators in them talking about the book and it's like, okay, I could read this. Um, this one though feels very much in the vein of some of the older trailers they used to do, like the ones for Civil War when that was originally coming out. I may be one of the only people who ever saw those, but I watched them back to this day. I think they're awesome. Uh, this one I thought had a lot of that spirit to it where it really gives you the feeling of like this being something you could watch almost. Um, and it makes the events that it's referring to feel more important. It has a voiceover by Hulkling. Uh, he's addressing the Kree and the Skrulls as he looks to unite them in a war against the heroes of Earth, specifically the Avengers and the Fantastic Four, who are the primary antagonists of the Kree and the Skrull. Uh, they both feel like Earth is their rightful place, and they've never been able to successfully take it from the thumb of the Avengers and the FF, but now they're going to try to do that together. Uh, what did you guys think about this trailer, and did this build any excitement for you for Empire? I think it was... Music was good. Yeah. It, I, I, I think it was well-produced. Like, um, it... To, to your point, Sean, it, it got me. Uh, I I could see it sort of as an as an animated like a little short or something. And then I thought about I thought about that, and I'm like, but wait, but then it's gonna go like you could do like these animations for like a comic. But the the point that it made me think about it potentially being drawn in like a cartoonish style or something emblematic of the comic itself. Um, I was impressed by that, and um, I think it laid out. What was sort of going on pretty well that uh, I I was able to to follow it and make sense of like the the importance of it and yeah the, overall I was very very impressed by this um by this trailer uh, wow I, I I don't think I'd 
I, I feel like we we did one for was it Strange Adventure uh, a while back. Yeah. Um, and that one was was good, but uh, I thought about it and like in comparison, this one was like excellent. Wow! Wow! Marco! 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 All right. So if what you guys don't know is that Marco is trying to acclimate himself to superhero comics to build himself up for the book that we yep. collectively will choose yep. that he will have to read. That's what that was. Yeah. Sean, I didn't think you'd see through that, but you downloaded <laughs> me. Everything. So <laughs> blessed, blessed by the light. Um, He's got that holy vision now. Stop. So uh, I, I think this is a good trailer too. Um, I, in general, like I, I, I like these trailers as a concept. The thing I don't like about them, I just don't like when they animate panels. I always feel like that looks super, like, flat. But I think otherwise, like, the presentation of this is really good. I think it very, very uh, clearly addresses that problem that we had kind of discussed when Marvel was like, everybody's forgetting what's happening. Like, this is, like, a very clear, like, hey, here's the stakes, here are the players, like, here's what's going to go down. Like, I think even if you're not up on what's going on, you could watch this and, like, get what's interesting about this event. And that should be the point of these things, 100%, you know? Um, so good good on it for that. Uh, to answer your question, your other question about if this, like, hyped us up at all, it did for me. Um, I'm not super interested in, like, the main event, but when they showed the connection to uh, the X-Men, I was like, there's my in, because I care about what's happening there. Um, and there was the whole, like, uh, I think it was, like, enemies must become allies, and then they tease a... A House of X X Men cover that's got Professor X, Cyclops, Storm, and um, I'm guessing Super Scroll with uh, um, what's it? it's a Cree guy, but I forget his name or their name. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he'll just be Cree guy for now. Just Cree. It's some Cree person. Um, so I, yeah, that was like for me a good way to pull me in because I am engaged in what's going on with the X Men right now. So seeing them have some kind of you know, um, being a player in this is something I'm very interested in because of what their relationship is to the heroes of Earth right now. It's like, okay, so did like where where are they going to lean? Right? Are they going to end up fighting against the heroes of Earth? Because that would be fucking wild. I could definitely get down for that. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty exciting. The one thing that I I didn't care for in the trailer, I suppose. Was, um, they're like, there's going to be a new accuser, and it's Captain Marvel. And, like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that uh, on space, I guess. But I think it's always kind of disappointing, I guess, when when they set up a new title like that, and they give it to an existing character we already know. And may- so we have a giant galaxy, we have a giant universe of just endless characters, and it makes it seem so much smaller when we just keep kind of passing it off to the same already established characters we have like that. Just do something new. Like it's, it, feels, it feels cheap, and it makes everything feel small when this is, tr- is supposed to be a giant intergalactic war. Phil, what do you have against uh, Captain Marvel? He just, he just uh, she's a woman. Uh, oh, okay. Um, Can't lift a hammer. It's yeah, not worth totally, it. Totally, that's the problem. Um, Let me mansplain some more. <laughs> I, I do. I, I also feel like to build on that point, those are 
the kinds of things I would rather have happen on the page and you'd be like, oh, shit, rather than like know that it's going to happen before you even get into the book. I, I think in this instance, as in many others when it comes to events, it's worth reading the book before we rush too far to judgment. Um, but I, I think, Phil, the general point that you made is one that I want to respond to. Uh, which, because I, I mostly agree with that. For the like, in in general, I agree. But I also think like Captain Marvel is a character who probably has a very interesting reaction to something like this, given her history with the Kree and the Skrulls. And so, putting her front and center in an event like this feels very organic. And in terms of her becoming an accuser, let's say that that is true and that is what's happening. I don't really care so much that that's happening. I care why it's happening and what that means for the character. Because her being an, ac- an accuser, if that's what's happening, is extremely significant. And it's more significant than it would be if that were just a brand new character. Hmm. Hmm. They also got to sell this fucking book somehow. I, don't, <laughs> I definitely don't have an issue with her being in the book. It's fine. You're right. It's very organic. It feel on on surface level you're right the why is obviously an important question that we'll, we'll see how that unfolds in the book on surface level i i still feel like it's kind of cheap but we'll find out yeah are you but well are you motivated by the trailer to read this or oh yeah i'm, I'm into it it sounds interesting cool awesome awesome wow uh kale did you say you were also intrigued or uh, i'm intrigued but not by the trailer Oh, okay, <laughs> I, I, I said I said earlier that uh, Al Ewing is what was drawing me in. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yes. Uh, you guys just signed yourself up to read another event on this podcast. Here we go. Excited. So, Thrilled. Can't wait. Uh, <laughs> this book actually will drop on the same day that Free Comic Book Day will begin, or Free Comic Book Summer. I'm sorry. Uh, that's July 15th, and the creative team is uh, Al Ewing and Dan Slott on the writing, and the art will be handled by Valero uh, Valerio Shidi. So, uh, is awesome this the, creative team. Is this the Zero issue? This is the issue is one. The Zero issue is dropping next week. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I'm hyped. Uh, so last week we talked about the potential for an event called DC Fandom. It wasn't actually announced. It was heavily rumored. Now we know it's real. DC Fandome is a 24-hour virtual event that DC is going to hold in August. This is separate from uh, the Comic-Con at home, which they will no longer be engaging in. Uh, They have distanced themselves from that as they have the rest of the comics industry to hold their own event. And they're going to be talking about a lot of cool stuff. So uh, DC themselves describe this event as an unprecedented opportunity to hear from the cast and creators behind your favorite feature films and TV series. They go on to list about 37,000 different things. Uh, Keeping it tight. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, All of this content will be virtually housed in six different fully programmed areas inside the virtual DC fandom. Hall of Heroes, which is the main hall, DC Watchverse, DC Uverse, DC Kidsverse, DC Insiderverse, and DC Funverse. Content will be available in 10 languages, including English, French, and a lot of other languages. 
Additionally, content programmed from specific countries will be in their native language. So that's actually pretty cool. It's a ticketless event, uh, which means that everyone should have access to this thing. And there's a pretty good chance we're going to see stuff for things that we're actually excited about, including Black Adam. The Rock himself, the people's champ. If you smell. has, I smell what The Rock is cooking, and it sounds like he's cooking up a heaping, a heaping helping of Black Adam teasers coming for DC Fandom. Uh, he says, the hierarchy of power in the DC Universe is about to change. I will be joining the epic and first of its kind DC Fandom on July or August 22nd. This one is for you, the fans. Sean, are you excited? Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're uh-huh. excited. <laughs> <laughs> Telegraphed, but yeah, I appreciate I it. Anyway. <laughs> so which section do we go to if we want to look at the comic books? Oh, that's a really great question, Kale. Actually, you go to the uh, – you go nowhere. It's the DC Kids section, right? Because they're officially switching to only all ages books. Yeah, I think you, you might be right. You, you go nowhere. You go nowhere. Yep. Good. Great. Well, okay. I guess I'm not in. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. I'll stay home. I thought nowhere was in Marvel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, Kale, staying home is about the only way you can engage with the DC fandom because oh, fuck, it's not I'll go out then. Place. Oh, right. this, I gotta say, dude, I, we made fun of it last week. Fandom, it's bad. Come on, guys! It's like, it's, it's like cool a, event. A room full of people who are probably paid millions of dollars a year to do PR came up with this name, and that's the best they could come up with. And stole the Neopets format for their map. Huh. You guys remember Neopets? Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> oh, God. In collaboration with this announcement, we also got a teaser for the Snyder Cut. Oh, now I'm interested. I watched it so that hey, you guys talk don't about have an event to. comic. <laughs> um it didn't it didn't showcase anything really interesting. Uh it it has Lex Luthor's talk that he gives at the end of Batman versus Superman nice. about the bell is rung and <laughs> uh and it shows dark side but it's the same picture we saw from a few weeks back so nothing really special. It's more just to tease the fact that we will see more at this fandom event. Uh we will, we will see more that we've already seen. I like that are in you? Zack Snyder's tweet, he used hashtag release the Snyder Cut. It's like, yeah, no, we are. It's over. It's coming. No, no. It's release a, the, you, you, won, you won, my guy. <laughs> release the Snyder Cut is a call it's a movement. to all Scott or Scott, Zack Snyder fans to be aware of whenever Snyder Cut news drops. You know how many people follow that hashtag, Pete? I don't know. Probably billions. Seven. <laughs> seven, but they tweet a lot. Somewhere between seven and a billion. There you go, Kale. <laughs> I'm there glad. Go. I'm glad we at least have a good sample size to work with. That's good. Yeah, 
So, in addition to the fandom, Zack Snyder. Can <laughs> I can't get over it? It's so bad. It's bad. For real bad. Coming to the fandom. Zack Snyder will be hosting Justice Con. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> Is that Why? also a separate event? It's a separate event. Why? Stop. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Oh my yep. god. Zack Snyder is getting his own convention. He's going to be teaming up with uh, the Nerd Queens and Comic Book Debate from YouTube uh, to host the Justice Con, which is going to be a virtual event. And uh, it's basically going to be a Scott Snyder celebration. A Scott Snyder celebration. Now that I'm into. I can get into that. I'm Scott sorry, Zack Snyder. Zach Snyder. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Oh, I wonder how oh, Scott look, feels about that because I'm sure you know I'm not what? the only person who does that. I'm not the biggest fan of Scott Snyder, but I'll show up for a Scott Snyder convention. That sounds interesting to me. That He's got some ideas. Dude, I don't know that you could have a convention that I'm less interested in. What? Are you, okay, so what are you more into then? The Scott Snyder or Zack or the ju- <laughs> Snyder or Justice Con? The Dome. Definitely the Dome. Oh. All right. <laughs> Because, I mean, like, I made the point when we talked about the rumor. I think DC having their own event like this makes a ton of sense, right? Like, they're a big multimedia company. They have TV shows and comics and movies and games and all these things they can talk about. It's like them wanting to have their own event destination makes sense. Um, Obviously, there are things that you can make fun of about this, like its name and that it's like a 24-hour event on a Neopets map. But, like, it seems like they've got some stuff. You know, um, so yeah, like if they come out and there's like a sick Black Adam trailer, all of a sudden this will be a thing that we take seriously and they can iterate on it, you know, and like that's what it takes, right? Like you look at like when I think digital event, like I think the one that is probably or maybe not an event, quote unquote, but like that kind of presentation, um, Nintendo directs, right? Like that's something that is so ubiquitous and like gets news gets headlines that was a thing that like they built over you know years and years and years and years so like if this comes out and it's all right that's really all i think it needs to do all it needs to do is justify its own existence enough for them to get another shot at it right ultimately i agree with you man i think it's cool and i love the fact that they have these different zones and you can watch i assume different content depending on the zone that you're at uh, that reminds me of BlizzCon, where they all, they always have like you can watch the Hearthstone tournament, whatever. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm actually all in. Uh, I I wish it was, I wish they were taking part in San Diego Comic Con. But if their plan is this ambitious, it ends up actually making a ton of sense why they're not because they're doing so much more than they could realistically do at any con that's not simply their own. And it's kind of cool if this ends up working because then you get a cool dedicated DC thing and all of those big panels and show floor space and all that shit that used to go to DC can go to someone else that can't have their own event because they don't have that clout. Yeah. Are there really no comics there? No, I'm sure there will be. Um, Okay. There's just no specific section for it. I would guess that the... um, was it the heroes one is what they call like it's the hall of heroes like maybe there 
we'll probably see a little bit of comics everywhere. Um, yeah, that, that's that's my guess at any rate. We'll see, though. We don't have long to wait. Uh, just a couple of months, actually. The only one August. that I'm really confused about is what is the insider verse, but it's like the rest you can like I could like make some guesses. That's a weird one though. The the create the creativity based world contains a centerpiece video featuring legendary artist and DC oh. publisher Jim Lee, uh, Walter Hamada, Greg Berlanti, like welcoming fans shit. with a one hundred and one style introduction to the DC multiverse. Cool. From there, go behind the scenes with the master artisans who bring DC to life in all its forms. Okay, cool. Interesting. Very good. Yeah, this, this could uh, be hype. Yeah, I'm into it. Real quick, I don't really want to talk too much about this, but I did feel, because of how much we've talked about it, it's worth mentioning that DC and Diamond have actually extended their partnership. Uh-oh. It's, like it's only for like a uh, month, though, right? Yeah, it's only it's only for a month, uh, and it's only just to fulfill the orders that have already been taken care of and stuff that Diamond still has in stock because they received. You know how comics work; they work pretty decently in advance, so um, they have stuff still, and they're extending this agreement to get that dealt with through July thirty first. So. Not really much there, just an extension. Yeah. Wanted to mention it. Does anybody have a specific reaction to that? Uh, not really, just like an anecdote. Like earlier when we were looking for our pals pulls, Kale and I called or noticed Kale noticed something on uh, Comics List, which is the site I usually look at for polls. Um, and there was one of their solicits where they had said it had been confirmed by Lunar DC DCBS. No DC. Okay, so it was confirmed it by DC, but not by Diamond. Correct. Which was interesting to see that note, yeah. like actually making the, you know, the breakdown like that, where it's like you can get this book, but we're not sure from who. <laughs> hmm. All right. Growing pains. Kind of interesting. Yeah, and I'm sure there will be many more. Um, in other DC news, DC has announced, or I should say, Dennis Cohen has announced that Milestone is coming back. And what we got to kind of lead that announcement was a an image, actually, um, that DC released. And it's several, most, if not all, of the black DC characters uh, standing in front of an American flag with their names lit up in red. Uh, and uh, several of them are taking their knee. While others are holding up their fists, kind of a the, the black power thing, uh, and I I mean it's it's pretty cool. Um, Dennis Cohen, who co-founded Milestone, uh, is the one who did this, and uh, yeah, it's, I mean it, it's nice. I wanna I wanna talk a little bit about that before we get into the overall Milestone thing. <sighs> This image is nice and it's cool and stuff. It didn't actually it didn't actually impact me in the way that I think DC or Dennis probably wanted. Because these first of all, these characters are not real people. 
So there's no stake for them doing this, right? They're not even doing it. Someone is drawing them doing it. And in addition to that, these characters are not really prominent in DC Comics at all. Black Lightning has a book, but it's called Batman and the Outsiders. Uh, Sojourner, the Green Lantern, the 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 Green Lantern that's that's there, uh, the the woman Green Lantern, she has a book, but it's called Far Sector and it's a Black Label book. It's not even in DC continuity. Static ending. Uh, yeah, but it's a. It was always intended to be. I don't think it was ever intended to be an ongoing. Yeah. Hmm. Um, uh, Static Shock is on there, and it's cool to see him. But I haven't. I mean, where does where's he at in comics? You know. Um, So it's frustrating from that perspective that they're showing us these characters, and it's cool that DC has them. But they're not even anywhere. They're not prominent in any way. Uh, Cyborg is, I guess. But Cyborg's like the only character we really get. And then also, to be honest, this would hit me way harder if Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and The Flash were there too. Because this whole movement is not just a, it's not about black people. It's about people standing up for each other or taking a knee for each other and showing all these black characters on Juneteenth taking their knee, what are they standing up for? I don't know. They don't talk. They're not real. And the statement is weakened because it doesn't also include the characters who seeing them doing that would send a message to the people who need to get the message. This is not about these characters, because like I said, again, they're not real. This is about sending a message to people. And if you're going to send a message to people, send a message to the people who need to get it. Those people are not the people who care the most about these characters. I need to see Superman doing that so that I know that people who love Superman are going to see that and be confronted with the fact that that's something that Superman would really do. That's something that Wonder Woman would really do. So for me, this rang hollow, even though it looks cool, and I appreciate the sentiment. I, <clears throat> I think that's definitely uh, a fair criticism for sure. Um, the, the one thing that like also kind of like felt a little weird about it to me is like when you realize that like they start repeating the names because there's actually not enough black characters to fill out the flag. And one of them is like That's Superman disgusting. of Earth twenty three, and it's like, really, guys? Yeah, it's 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 aggravating. It's aggravating. And like you're right, it's a cool image, but it it feels performative. Yeah. Yep. And and again, I, I want to say that Dennis Cohen did this. He he did the image, and he is he is black. And I don't know if DC said specifically what they wanted. Or if they said, hey, do you want to do something for Juneteenth and he did this? I have no idea the background of all that. So take what I'm saying in that context or what we're saying because collectively we don't know. But yeah, that was my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. That's me. Yeah, yeah, that's potentially us being cynical, I guess, right? But Oh, I'm, I'm definitely cynical. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. There's no question. You, you, you are cynical 
when you deal with this shit, man. That's what happens. That's that's exactly what happens. Um, but on from that, on to the potential milestone revival. Uh, Dennis Cohen says that milestone is coming back, that the revival's back on track, and quote more needed than ever. Uh, now, those of you with long memories. Uh, and I'm talking about memories that go back five years, which seems like 15 years ago at this point, you'll remember that twice in the span of five years, DC has made an official big statement about Milestone coming back. Twice, nothing happened. The reason is because of a lawsuit, actually. Uh, the, the Dwayne McDuffie estate, Dwayne McDuffie, of course, is the co-founder of Milestone, and he has a big stake in that company um uh his wife charlotte has gone to bat and sued the founders of milestone media 2.0 um because in the agreement between them and dc to bring milestone back Dwayne mcduffie his estate was not included in the conversation about compensation so that apparently is all resolved at this point, according to uh, Dennis. He said, as you know, we were involved in a lawsuit that everyone read about in the papers. If people care to read about that kind of stuff, not everything that was printed was true, but there was still a situation. Well, that situation has been resolved and all, to all party satisfaction. So we're all happy. The person that had an issue with us is happy. We're all together. We're all friends. We're all good. And DC and Milestone were going forward with their plans after a very long delay. And just when we were starting to pick up everything again is when the pandemic hit. But that hasn't really stopped work from progressing. I can't say anything really big right now. Some of the stuff had already been announced a while ago. And we're still proceeding with a lot of those things. There's going to be some new things that are going to be announced. For all people who are thinking about Milestone, we thank you for your continued patience. There will be stuff to see, and there will be stuff to see relatively soon. And hopefully, people will be back on the Milestone bandwagon, and it'll be good, because I think that now it's needed more than ever. Man, I hope this just finally comes together. Like, <clears throat> I was, like, huffing and puffing through you saying this, because it's so frustrating of just, like, we're still having legal disputes over this, and there's still, like, you know, like, questions about people being fairly compensated and all that shit it's like just fucking pay for the shit just do what you need to do you already made the announcement we want it just do it make it happen like stop being shady and just fucking come on like i just want a good static book dude like classic dc yeah unfortunately um because as soon as you hear that it's like oh right so they were probably they were probably the bad guy in this situation that wouldn't be the first time um, Speaking of a good static book, we actually got a question on this topic from Matt Murphy over on the Discord server, and he said, with Dennis Cohen confirming DC's milestone relaunches back on track, what creators would you like to see tackle characters like static and hardware? I'm really only familiar with Static, and yeah. that's from the TV show. Yeah, I don't really know any of the other milestone characters, and like, not that I'm not open to like learning them if they come out with new books that are like interesting um but static obviously you know i think most people our age have a connection with because of the the wb show that was set in the the bruce tim universe you know um because he got you know obviously that show was hot fire in general but also he got the bump on like justice league and everything so you know um that's the character that i want to see the most just because 
I think he kicks ass. And I would love to see, you know, a renaissance um, for that character because I feel like that whole – we talked about it a few weeks ago. Like the that the Dakota and like the Bang Babies and all that stuff. Like there's so much cool shit there to pull from um, that it, it's like – it's truly a shame that legal troubles have like basically, you know, kept him irrelevant for the last several years because that I felt like that character had so much momentum. And, like, a good book now with the right creative team, I think, could totally hit. Because um, we're at, like, peak 90s, early 2000s nostalgia right now in the culture, right? So, like, I I feel like there are so many people who, if there was, like, a proper static reboot, you know, kind of return, people would show up for that, I think. I don't know who I'd want to do it, though. Um, I, I was thinking of... Uh... David F. Walker. He was one of the one of the Ooh. creators who, um, on Cyborg during the New Fifty Two, I I very much enjoyed that book, and um, I think he got a a really good perspective on uh on that character, and he was introducing some new ideas, which I I, I think because the it ended up getting canceled, um, he didn't get a chance to explore, but I think it'd be something he could probably follow up with, um, on 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 a book like Hardware. Um, I, I've only ever read one like random floppy issue of that character. Um, I think in the past I've mentioned my aunt, uh, she works at TJ Maxx and, and so like sometimes she would bring like a bag of like miscellaneous comics and that was one of those included along with the nom. And, um, uh, it was, it was interesting. It was cool. He's a, a high tech dude. He, uh, puts, he uses his, his, uh, Using his technology to fight crime, and uh, I mean, I had fun with that book, and I think that'd be something similar to a cyborg. And if if Walker was able to play well in that sort of technological space, I think he could probably do something similar for hardware. Um, at least from the writing perspective, art, I'm not sure, but I mean, I I I'm sure that whoever they do choose, uh, is probably gonna knock it out of the park. Uh, like Ivan Reese, I think did that book with him and that was a great pairing wow that's a good call out anyone else the the other person who came to mind while marco was talking was um potentially uh solid in a med it's like thinking like he's, he's done a good number of like teenage superheroes like i could see that being you know because that's like what i'm trying to think is like i want a young static i want something that feels representative of the cartoon so like i'm trying to think like who's a character who's somebody who like recently has gotten some good teenage superhero books over and well you don't want uh mark wade on it <laughs> <laughs> no probably not <laughs> what's wrong with mark wade <laughs> i don't want to hey guys I don't, watch I don't get it somebody get eaten he writes great teenagers <laughs> or bendis yeah he, he helped create uh <laughs> who bendis yeah, yeah, he. Which Bendis? <laughs> that oh, Bendis, Brian Michael, the one that does the comic books. <laughs> that Bendis. That Bendis. I... Spider-Man Bendis. Oh, the Spider-Man. Miles Bendis? Morales. Uh, Ultimate Spider-Man Bendis. Peter Parker. It. That's Spider-Man. Oh, that's Bendis. Spider-Man Bendis. Oh, that's the Spider-Man. Spider-Man. <laughs> now, oh, what if, what if, what if Static Shock dated Kitty Pride? I can fuck with that. Hey, hey, Phil. <laughs> hey, what if Static Shock dated Kitty Pride? 
Oh, what sure. if Static Shock was like in high school, and what if Kitty Pride was like thirty? Oh no! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> uh oh! We haven't worn Alice right that. Oh God, no! no. <laughs> Alice? Stop. That Alice? Stop. Fuck! Oh no! I regret that joke. I, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, both of you, Marco and Pete, I think those are great, great ideas. Uh, I'll, I'll throw mine out there. I would really love to see uh, N.K. Jemison get it because she's been writing Far Sector, and oh, okay. it's very, 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 very good, like beyond good. Um, I know that she writes a lot of sci-fi books, like novels, and that's her bread and butter. But she added character. She created a character that didn't exist before and added so much depth to that character in a short frame of time that I really hope we get to see her more. Uh, that character, Sojourner. And I hope that, or I would love to see N.K. Jemison lend her talents to a character like Static, who is very popular, but doesn't necessarily have this rich history that we're all familiar with on the comic side of things. I feel like she could really create his world and populate it with Flesh some fun it out stuff. A little bit. Yeah. Because, like, there is such good source material that you could really, like, use to do something fresh and new, though. You know? Yeah. Just give me a good book with Static and, like, Richie's the dude in the chair. Maybe eventually he gets his cool robot backpack. That's what I want. That's it. Oof. You know, yeah. I, I, was, I was on Twitter the other day, and I... What? Yeah, I know. And I haven't... I haven't watched Static Shock since I was like in the fourth grade or whatever. And it was like a scene where Static's friend's dad is just like really bigoted and racist. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit. Dude, that episode's so good. Holy shit. This is heavy. But obviously, like, kids need to be confronted with that kind of thing. But I was like, I don't remember this. Hey, Richie's dad? Yeah. Yeah. That's the episode. It's like uh, Virgil goes over to Richie's house, I think, for the first time, even though they've been friends for years, and like his dad's a racist, and like that's why. Yeah, he's like recollection of that. Yeah, he's like really bigoted and shit. Keep politics out of our kids' TV shows. (laughs) Nah, bro. (laughs) Inject more of it. I want kids to be sensitive. (laughs) Uh. Kale, did you have a, or Phil, I guess, did you guys have a creative team you wanted to throw out there? Bendis is good. Really, really good. Uh, <laughs> you already made the joke. Well, no, I, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm just thinking out loud. Bendis, yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I can think of any... any I don't feel like I know the characters well enough to assign a you know a, a, a particular creator. He's dead, but he's of, dead of any. He's dead, but man, I really would have gone for Dwayne McDuffie. And, and yeah, like, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. You done? Uh, Bendis. Uh... Well, that's a good answer. Oh my God, shut uh, up! I All mean, right. is it? Uh, you're gonna say you want a dead guy? Well, that's no. a good to answer. write a book. Listen, there are well, more black creators I mean, than just the better, ones we mentioned and the one dead one. That's, <laughs> it's better than Bendis. Ta-Nehisi Coates, come on. Sure. Brian Edward Hill. Sure. See that? Okay, yeah, yeah. 
That could be cool. Yeah. Throwing your bone. Kale, you want to take that? I don't know any of the characters to the only one I know is static. And I don't want to just say, oh, yeah, Brian Edward Hill could write static like that. That's not going to solve anything. <laughs> right. I, 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 I didn't want to just go, oh, the black creators. Because I, 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 I don't want to yes. just be, I don't yeah. want to be that guy that just like, oh, well, the black guy can write the black guy kind of thing. No, but, you but you'll just make the same guy. joke like three times in a row and extend the segment by like five minutes. So that's also really productive. Thank you. I think you left your mic on. I, I, I thought... Dwayne McDuffie was a like it He's was a not uh, alive, but it but it was uh, like a a, a a a heartfelt answer that was like, oh man, God. I wish he was I'm here to do it. Still stuck in this moment right now. It's still happening. We're still I, I reliving these same two two bits. It's not a bit. <laughs> I, 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 I get it. Great. It would be like, really awesome if Dwayne McDuffie was alive to write Static, but he's not. Wait, Can we why move do you on? have a problem with that? Move on. The guy's dead. Why don't you? Why don't you want right. him alive? All right, all right. Let's 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 let's, let's uh, be more respectful. Piece of shit. I'm taking crazy pills. <laughs> I, I remember enjoying Stelfreeze's right. uh, art when um uh, when we read uh, Black Panther. Oh good. yeah, I really yeah. like when Mark. He'd be good. He'd be good. His style like would be that. good on uh, Static. <laughs> let's get um. <laughs> never mind. No, let's get Brian Edward at Brian Edward Hill and Stelfreeze on st- Static. Let's just do it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I mean, cool. if, if listen, if you're okay with that, then I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me who can write the book, Sean. <laughs> Mar. Oh Wolfman. my God, Kale! You are so politically correct until you're not. <laughs> it's so funny. Dude. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> it's like, I'm from Texas. What do you want from me? I'm working with very little here. <laughs> grew up where they made Yet another people. reason why Kale hates himself. <laughs> Put it on the list. All right. Some of that white guilt. Uh, All right. <laughs> yeah, it's already there. All right, we're gonna we're gonna start our reviews with Stranger. I keep wanting to say Stranger Things. Stranger Things. <laughs> Strange Adventures number two. Now we've waited a long time for this book. Obviously, with the coronavirus, it was delayed significantly, but it's finally out, and uh, we all got a chance to read it. So, first questions first. Was anyone? Lost reading this one as opposed to um, uh, what was the other book we read? Uh, Marauders. Was anybody lost the way we were back then? No. What I really liked about this book is the fact that we didn't actually miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's because nothing happened. When I yeah, yeah, when I sat down, I was like, I don't remember what happened in the first issue. But then I was like, Oh right, okay. It was really just kind of <laughs> nothing. <laughs> yeah, the first issue was very much just like. Okay, remember the press release that you read about what this book is? Well, this it's that. There you go. It's the setup, right? Okay, got it. So, yeah, like I didn't, I didn't feel like I needed to remember beat for beat what happened because I remembered the main conceit of it, right? Which is that this guy wrote this book and he's a war hero and he's lying about something and this dude was hired by Batman to figure out 
the truth. Got it. Right. I'm there. And that's basically all anyone needs to know going into this review. So the guy who is looking into Adam Strange and whether or not he's being honest about his past is uh, Mr. Terrific, right? Yeah, that's uh, great. And... <laughs> wow. <laughs> um... Fair play, fair play. <laughs> oh, my God in heaven. And so the book follows him as he does a bunch of stuff uh, that, to my eye, didn't all exactly relate to the story at hand. And alongside that, we see some of the things that I suppose are in the book that he's reading. He's reading um, Strange's book. And we know that at least something in, in this book isn't true. And it's up to Mr. Terrific to figure that out. So that's essentially what the entire book is in the broad strokes. Let's dig in and talk about how we feel about this book. By the way, of course, Strange Adventures is a book by one uh, Tom King, who we sometimes love, Mitch Jareds, and Evan Dockshaner. So we definitely that, always love. Okay. Cool. So, so what do you think about it then? So I think this reading this issue um, doubled down my feelings after reading the last issue, which is that this is not a book I want to read month to month um, or like six months to six months in this case um, or how mm. that's how it feels anyway. Uh, uh, well, they've extended the uh, the release of it. It's now I think it's two months that, between issues that, that was I just, not true that's not true oh that's not true no. oh that's right that's right i remember that gerard's uh nailed that nailed that i remember that i apologize so i'm i'm at a place where i just i don't feel like i can fuck with that with this book um because i think it's actively hurting the experience um because i remember feeling like last month um and i imagine we're gonna have that same dialogue now because there's already been jokes about it right where like Really, nothing happens in this issue. And I think in the context of a broader story, having quiet issues, uh, particularly while you're setting things up, is fine. Month to month, it's not very satisfying. And having to review um, the issues, the best thing I could say about it last time was, well, this was set up. We'll see where it goes. And all of the criticisms that you guys levied at it were fair looking at it issue to issue. But I don't think they're fair in the broader context of talking about how good or bad the story is. So it almost just feels to me that like reading it month to month is only serving to like frustrate me and make me look for things to pick it apart for because there isn't anything for me to really connect with yet. And there are plenty of stories I really like that are a slow burn. And once it gets you, it gets you. And that could still happen. We have no reason to think that that won't still happen. But I also understand where all the criticism has and probably will come from, where it's like, well, we're two issues in and I don't have anything to grab onto, so why should I keep reading? And it's like, I think that it's just some books are not, do not benefit from a single issue approach. And I think we've talked about how that's my feeling about Tom King in general. I don't, I think he's better suited for Maxi. Like, I have a story that has, you know, this 12 issue structure or whatever. And I, I just, you know, 
I think he's better at writing entire stories, and I've read most of his work in entire sit down, like read the whole run. And I think that that has generally worked for me. Whereas month to month, um, both times I've tried to do it, it hasn't. To be fair, though, are you saying that if you had read Heroes in Crisis in one shot, it would have been better? No, because Heroes in Crisis was just bad. There you go. Yeah, and that's also a fair play, right? Where we uh, gave Heroes in Crisis that same... (laughs) I see you, Marco. Uh, We gave Heroes in Crisis that same rope, I think, early on, where it's like, well, we'll see where it goes. And then we hung ourselves. Exactly. So I am fully... Uh, ready to acknowledge that as well where it could just be that this is not good and it's not going to go anywhere um, in the same way that that book didn't. Um, but I think either way, I don't think I personally have anything to gain from continuing to read it month to month because I think if it is good, reading it month to month is going to lessen my experience with it. And if it's not, it's just going to prolong my suffering. <laughs> well, we're here now. So let's let's yeah. let's talk about the book though. Does anyone have thoughts about the issue i i enjoyed it i i mean i for for what it's worth the 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 pacing of it was i think something that i enjoyed it kind of like it, it was much slower um it sort of lets you understand some of the details that was going that were going on in in ron especially con- considering the um the 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 book itself and also i think uh, I liked how they were portraying Mr. Terrific. He's just like this like guy who is always learning, always challenging himself. And um, it, it's, it's very different from what I think is a, a, like a like what I would consider like a typical hero. He, he's, he's so... He's so insular, but it's not in a way of like obsession necessarily. I think he's just like testing himself, and I think you see that in each of the panels that he's, um, that he's in, in in almost every scenario that he's in. Um, and I I just thought that was really interesting. I felt like a meditation on that character, um, for what it's worth, and I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, the how it sort of plays into also how he's reading and perceiving the book i think is interesting because there are moments that he's uh especially when he ends up calling batman after he sort of figures out what um the like the mystery is i think was really interesting because i I know for me when you're trying to figure something out you occupy your mind with other things because your your mind is working in the background to understand and process and, and figure like figure out what it is that you don't understand and i think that that's what he was doing in, in these instances and what's being shown. Mm. And the, um, and I think that that's, that's helpful, helpful context for the book and where it's going. I really like that. Um, what you laid out there. That's, that's very uh, terrific analysis. Oh yeah. my God. Well said. <sighs> Go ahead, Phil. I, I'm I, I I grow tired of Tom King shoehorning these references to to other classical pieces of, of literature or, or or trying to reference obscure pieces of history. I have I have no issue with terrific quizzing being quizzed on 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 you know 
scarcity and to demonstrate his intelligence. But, you know, it's just it's so much of it. It happens constantly through the throughout the issue that it, it, it the repetition hurts it because at, at one at, at some point it no longer it's like we get it. I understand. Mr. Terrific is very intelligent. You know that he's one of the three smartest people in the world or something. Um, the only one that feels like it really serves a purpose to what the issue was going for was the story of the green knight and like what it means to be truthful and humble. Right. And the consequences of that, because that's the whole thing that leads to him saying that he'll uh, talk to strange. But the thing that feels really Tom King to almost a fault is where he says, tell me something that I can answer. And it's the gender of his unborn child. And it's that, that feels so, it feels so forced. Um, it's like, ah, I know he's lying about his dead kid. And what will motivate me is my actual dead kid. It, it, it he, he really, it feels like he boxes himself into like the same kind of overall themes too often and i mentioned it before the series came out it's just it's not a bad thing and it it was innovative when he was doing these types of things with like the impact of a dysfunctional family and vision for instance or omega men which also had to deal with that but when you're doing the same thing five years later and there's no growth there's no change you're you're doing the same esoteric stuff with authors or or other pieces of work it's tired it's I think um I, I I don't know that I agree with that overall about King to the same degree as you, but I very much agree with the point you're making about um the the references because <clears throat> that is something that I agree with what Marco's putting down where I I really liked his analysis of using that as a device to tell us things about terrific rather than necessarily to like layer in subtext except for the green knight thing which i think is you're right on that as well where that really felt relevant but i i think it very much was something that the repetition of it led to uh diminishing returns where as the first time it happened i was like "Mm, this is a thing that you do a lot tom king but then by the time it's like the end of the issue and it's been in every single panel that he's in I'm like okay enough like I don't want to like I started finding myself like skimming you know of like is this actually anything and I stopped and read the green knight thing but like when it was like you know asking like a math problem and stuff like that it's like all right okay did we need this in every panel like it's cool I I get it while he's doing everything he's always as he's always quizzing himself he's always testing himself great but we got that like we, and we could have gotten that with probably half as many of those. That's at least, you know, my, my feeling. How about you, Kill? Yeah, my my feelings are, are very similar. I I don't feel like anything... Like, I feel like they could have put this into the first issue and it would have been fine. I, I just don't... I didn't feel like I got anything out of this. Right. Mark, are you like yeah? And uh, well, and I like Mister Terrific isn't a character that has a ton of history, but like I, I, I know Mister Terrific with my history of reading DC Comics, and I don't feel like 
this did anything to sort of add or take away or even really introduce the character. I don't know. I just didn't do anything to make anything interesting. I I don't know. Like I'm I'm really split because I I was really wanting to learn about Mister Terrific, um, and I don't know how much I did actually learn. I think that Tom King was trying to sell us on a character that we don't know because obviously he's going to be important in this series. And I think rightly he assumes that a lot of people don't know much about him. That was good. And he used this issue to try to teach us who he is. But I, I like, I guess I learned who he is, but I also kind of learned that I learned that I don't want to know all the things that I know um, in the sense that, okay, he's smart. That's cool. What else? You know, uh, okay, he lost a, a, a child. That's awful. But it feels like he's throwing that out there as an easy way to make me connect with the character. And that's a heavy thing, man. Like, that's really, that's, that's really intense. And unless that is, like, unless that's relevant, which I don't feel like it is, I don't even... It's not that you can't do things like that. You certainly can 100%. You can include whatever you feel like including in the story. But that felt like a lot, you know, to just be a throwaway pretty much. Yeah, and I I, I think that's, that takes back to the point that I, <clears throat> I made earlier about why I'm struggling with this like issue to issue is because if that does come up later – you won't feel that way, but not knowing and having to wait two months to even get an idea of if it could come up again, like, and knowing how Tom King has handled things like that in the past, like, it does give you that question of like, all right, are you just doing that to give us this kind of manufactured drama for the character where, where that's why he has skin in the game? Or is that something that could actually matter later and actually lead to like significant character development because i think to your point right there's nothing wrong with that as a concept there's nothing wrong with that as an idea for that could be why he's ratcheted up about this or something like that but if you're not gonna really bake that into the character and make it a focal point of his journey that feels like uh like a like a ploy a little bit. Let me let me let me add to that real quick. Um, While you're adding to that, please say what happened because a few of us have said we've kind of danced around it. So just explicitly say what happened with uh, Mister Terrific. Um. So the whole time he's uh, being quizzed, uh, he finally picks up uh, Adam Strange's book, and in the beginning, there's uh, there's a note saying to like our dead daughter basically, and he's like, I know his daughter isn't dead. That's a lie. And then he says to uh, the robot friend, uh, who I feel bad for not remembering his name, uh, he says, you know, ask me. I don't think he, ha- I think I th- he has I a name. I feel like it doesn't. It's just his terrific okay. balls. Either way. Yeah. It's terrific balls. He has terrific balls. And he says, ask me a question I can't answer. And, you know, he says, uh, what was the identi- What was the gender of your unborn baby that died with your wife? And, you know, he can't answer that. And that's such a really forced question to ask now what i was going to add to to that thought was to sean's point 
if they had spent more time in the issue building the ethos of Mr. Terrific beyond him being intelligent, you would feel more resonance for this revelation. Because ultimately, when you're reading a story that's ultimately character-driven as this is, you need to feel a connection to which at this point is one of your two main characters. And when you sacrifice that connection with that character, that impact is severely lessened. And so how can you connect with the character with such a tragic moment in their life when there's been no, as Sean said, he's smart, but what else? I I don't think that that's a tool for you to connect with the character because the, the panels before are uh, look at specifically the page for my daughter whom I lost in the war my life is spent with grief and the entirety of this issue has been him uh receiving facts reacting to it receiving facts reacting to it and and to me I read that and then the panel where he where he asks about something I don't know and he's like what is the what is the the sex of your unborn child like that to me is him then testing what it, what what should it feel like for when what should i be getting out of this book that shows me that it's true and if those feelings if if what is being to him not uh evoked from the book doesn't match what he as a parent who has lost something oh like like then then that's a lie and and that's what i think that was i don't Hmm. think it's meant to for you to be like oh he lost and we you know we should feel sympathetic some way or another i think he was testing the book itself because that's everything he's been doing up until this point he's, really he's, test, he's gauging his feelings against what the book should be evoking in him i think that that is a really good point and it's something that i thought about but when i thought about that it frustrated me even more because let's really break down what is happening here they don't know whether or not this guy is telling the truth about his past And so Batman, right, a superhero, billionaire, detective who has access to other superheroes, chooses a guy who's just really, really, really smart to break this mystery down. Well, the Justice League has a character in it called Wonder Woman who has a lasso. Lasso that can just make someone tell them the truth. And so it's really strange to me that Batman would choose Mr. Terrific to do this. When he could just choose Wonder Woman. Now, I know, obviously, that's like the saying, oh, well, how come the Avengers don't come save Spider-Man all the time? I get it. But Batman is choosing Mr. Terrific, right? Like, a choice was made to insert this guy into a problem that's not his for him to solve it. So why didn't he just choose someone just more suited? Well, the reason he didn't choose Wonder Woman from like Tom King's perspective is because that would be super easy. He chooses Mr. Terrific to make it a story and to make it a mystery, right? So if Mr. Terrific's uh, wife dying while pregnant is not something that happened in another comic that I can go read right now, then to me, that insertion serves two purposes, not just one. It's what you said, but it's also what I said, because we also have to care about this character too. If he was just all knowing, right? If he was just a genius and that's it and could deduce a lie based on his intellect, well, that's not that compelling. That's not a character. That's a, that, you know, that's, that's nothing. 
the fact that he has this dead um, unborn child is what gives him character on top of the other stuff that we learned here. And that's what I'm saying that I have some issue with is that it's definitely a piece of a way that Tom King is trying to explore that character through this book. And what I'm saying is that I don't know him. So that's a heavy thing to lay down when I don't know this character and it's not his story. The odds that that factors in greatly beyond what you laid out, Marco, are very low because it's not his story, right? So that being said, that's a huge thing to throw out there for a supporting character. And I also think that if you want to make that a huge part of the story and you look at him as more than a supporting character where it's like, well, he's the foil, right? So like he's a significant actor and you want his arc to mean something too. Cool. Why didn't we get like some kind of a flashback, something that like shows us his life with his wife? And the, the life he thought he was going to have and how he lost that. And now he's this guy who's always testing himself and all those things. Rather than have the entire thing be him boxing and going through the desert and jumping into an iceberg and, you know, all this shit and all these quizzes. Like, if it was 50% of those juxtaposed with the life he used to have and who he thought he was going to be and, and that, then it would be like, oh, fuck, I felt that. Not... Like, this is Tom King breaking the cardinal rule of storytelling. He's telling us that this happened and that it hurt him and that means something as he smears the makeup across his face because that's why he's a superhero. And it feels like leaning on um, kind of like uh, – it feels like very lazily genre, right? Of like I can lean on this trope that you know that – this character has pain and that's why he's a hero is a thing that we accept to be true about superheroes. So like I I would rather have had that moment. That could have been most of the issue. You know, that could have been the whole issue was a story about Mr. Terrific's life before the book yeah, and yeah. and all that shit cuz then it would be like, "Oh fuck." Like that was a meaningful diversion. Now yeah. I love this character. Now I feel something about this character. I think about what it would be like to be in his shoes and lose that. And then that's why he became Mr. Terrific or, or whatever. And then to Marco's point, we cut to him reading the book and he's like, this guy's full of shit. And that's what motivates him to take the case, right? Like, cool. Then I get it. Then I'm in. But the fact that we have to have this conversation and you have to make that connection for me or suggest that connection rather than see it is, is, not it's bad like that's asking us to take subtext and read it as text rather than having the text lay that down and have it connect for us and have it mean something for us and it's not that we can't necessarily still have that at some point but this book is 12 issues like this would have been the time to do that yeah. I think I, I think to that though, because um, I, I I do agree when when you guys laid out that this could have been the opportunity to have that development. I don't think that that's the issue yet, and I don't think that that's where narratively he wants it to happen. Although to to your to you guys' point, like this is our first intro- introduction to him, uh, especially over like a long, uh, like basically the entirety of this issue, um, where it would fit narratively. But I don't know that that's exactly where it's going to happen, and it might happen. Uh, obviously speculation but like in the conversations that then 
come out of this. Um, but to that point, I, uh, yeah, I, I just don't know if that this is where he's going to put the development in yet. Like, it's just the introduction to uh, his thinking process and how he's approaching it. And then we're going to get to see who he might be. If that makes Fair sense. Enough. Let me let me challenge that real quick because Mr. Terrific's whole thing is fair play. Um that's that's his shtick. He's one of the smartest men on earth and his his motto, his creed, his whole thing is fair play. Uh Batman brings it up when he says that's the reason he uh put Mr. Terrific on the case. And then we see it again on, we see the word on his jacket when he's shaking Adam Strange's hand. A better thing for this issue to introduce Mr. Terrific, other than watching him solve math problems for 30 pages, would have been to show what that means. And and I don't disagree, but I don't think that that's where we're at with where Tom King's wants to be narratively. But yeah. I want to see where Mr. Terrific's head is. I want to know who Mr. Terrific is. And if Mr. Terrific's whole thing is fair play to the point where it's on his costume, the printed word is on his sleeve, I want to know how his mind works, how he uh, makes that happen in his superhero life, how he works that as a person, as opposed to, uh, he's got a he's a guy with a dead wife and a dead kid. You know, I'm looking over the 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 issue again, and he actually realizes that uh, Mister Terrific is lying about his daughter before Strange is lying uh, about his daughter. Yeah, yeah, um, that Strange is lying about his daughter. Before the scene where he uh, asks the robot to tell him something he doesn't know. So those weren't even like you didn't even that that scene isn't justified because it doesn't even it's not even coming before the place where he realizes, oh, he's lying because of how I feel. Um, Right. I, I feel like he asked the robot to ask him the unanswerable question. In response to his revelation, it's cutesy. Oh, okay. Well, in, in any event, let's let's we've we've chewed on this for a long time. Uh, let's talk about something else in the issue. Um, t- did you guys get anything out of the sequences that show what's happening in the book? Yeah, those um, are fun. Yeah, I I really like Doc Shainer's art, and I feel like his style goes really well with like the you know like the vision of what that book is in the public eye right as like this golden age kind of classic sci-fi story um so i think those are like a real visual treat and i feel like that's a story that if if we're getting glimpses into that over the course of the entire you know series and we eventually kind of get that twisted mirror image where we start to realize where the things we learned were untrue and all that i think that device can really really end up being compelling um but 
it's important for how they stick the landing. Right right now it's it's just something that we're kind of you know, we're still we're still putting pieces together. Yeah. I'm more interested in reading what Doc Shaner's putting down on his pages in that narrative than the other story that's being told. I understand that we're basically being presented with some kind of what seems like a false narrative of what Adam Strange is putting down or whatever his retelling or recountings of his events are. Um, and that's like the whole point of the Mitch Durads portion of the book. But I don't care about that because Tom King is giving me no reason to care about that. And on its face value, I'm more interested in the Golden Age shenanigans, or I'm sorry, really the Silver Age shenanigans of what Adam Strange is up to with these Indiana Jones-esque escapades on Ron than I am in the mystery unraveling of, well, where, where are the inconsistencies? In this case, the yeah. lie is more interesting than the truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with that right now. Um and like I said, I, I think I think I can still come around on that, but I'm I'm definitely feeling that way today after issue two. I want to like this book real bad. I I really 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 do, and I'm gonna continue to read it month to month. Um, maybe it's not suited for this podcast necessarily. Maybe not, but I um I really want to like it. Yeah, me too. I really do. Yeah. The art is so good. The art is so, so awesome. I mean, I don't know if I've read a book with Doc Shaner's art before. I can't think of any. But, man, is he showing off. He did uh, Future Quest. Future Quest. With the Hanna-Barbera right? characters. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think I read that. Um, it's fun. <laughs> Fair enough. But, yeah. Uh, I'm loving him here. I think he's doing fantastic work. And, and Mitch, of course, is no slouch either. Um, I, I love the way this book is being presented. The colors, like the the, the, the blues when uh, Mr. Terrific is trying to go to sleep or whatever. I just love how the whole page is bathed in blue. And I guess that robot is, is, is giving or those little orbs or whatever you want to call them they're giving color to the room and i i love how um mr terrific's face is drenched in shadow but the whole rest of the room is colored it's just like man they're doing such amazing stuff yeah i think regardless of like um you know some of our criticisms of the story like the book is definitely really really engaging on a visual level like Mm -hmm. period you know they're both really talented with you know their own unique styles but um i i like the idea of the juxtaposition of the art and i feel like yeah. if the writing serves it 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 will eventually be really satisfying it's so frustrating when like <laughs> talented artists are are shackled with mediocre writing i think of like scott Lob- scott lobdell often works with like kenneth rockefort who's a really, really good artist and my man can't write at all. Not that Tom Tom King also obviously has a, a, a history of really good books. It's just like last year or two. Whew. Um, the one thing I wanted to call about the the colors in particular, um, the first page uh, primes us that it's going to be all blue and all orange, and then as the issue continues, you see that they actually swap off on colors. Um, mm. so, uh, Doc starts off in the blues and Mitch in the oranges, and then they swap 
Mitch in the in the blues and then Doc in the oranges and they do that uh, throughout portions of the book. I just wow. thought that was really I just thought that was really cool. It's really cool. What an observation, man. Kill it. Today, you got bro. a lot out of this, man. Yeah, I, I I I this was pretty good. I don't know. I I liked it. Cool. I'm I'm actually really happy that you enjoyed it so much. Uh, despite what we disagreed about, I I definitely think that there's a lot here. Um, and your mileage may vary, but I'm glad that, that it, it, it took you pretty far. I wanted to point out one thing and see if you guys felt the same way. So um, on page, uh, what page is it? Sorry, looking through. Uh, there's a page here where you see a person working the front desk of, uh, of the, the, the range, I guess. The gun, the gun yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't that look like Katrina Fox? Yes. Yeah. Don't know who that it definitely is. does. Uh, you yeah you you never you met, her. met her. We met her. Yeah, we met her at uh, Comic Con. Uh, it's on page sixteen. Um, yeah, that I I feel like that's supposed to be Katrina Fox. I I definitely got that impression. Yeah, um, she's been in other books too. It's funny because I thought that when you said it, and I I didn't think about it again until you brought it up. But I definitely had that exact same thought. Yeah, and I know because I, I know she's worked with. Mitch before. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I think that that closes the door on Strange Adventures 2 for now. Um, maybe we'll be back with a review of this. Maybe we won't. Let us know if you guys want to hear us talk more about this book. Or if maybe you want a book club of it, of it down the road whenever it is able to complete. Uh, let's move on and talk about Dark Knight's Death Metal. <laughs> Fucking main event. Let's go. Yes, let's Bang our heads. Let's get into it. Oh, what are you doing there, Pete? The the halo? Um <laughs> Yeah, I was I wasn't yeah. doing that intentionally, but I definitely was doing that. <laughs> 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 Dark Knight's Death Metal number one is a book by Scott Hollowed Be Thy Name Snyder, (laughs) Greg Painkiller Capullo, with inks by Jonathan Motorbreath (laughs) Glapion, (laughs) colors by FCO Fixer with three X's, Placencia, letters by Tom, Mr. Nice Guy, Napolitano. And uh, some other people. Um, yeah. This is a big book. Lots of stuff. Uh, lots of stuff to to know. Um, there's been a lot of back material leading into this story. Similar to Metal. And I'm so excited to hear from you guys. Because I know a lot of you haven't really read the, 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 the stuff that's come before this. Um did you feel lost at all? Where are you? I really want to hear from Phil. What do you? What did you think of this, Phil? Dude, this book was fuck fucking crazy. Okay, <laughs> uh, it was all over the place, and uh, I like, I like that. <laughs> it was so stupid at points too. But I'll tell you what, B Rex having Batman eyes in his mouth was pretty fucking chill. Best moment, <laughs> and like. Uh, his dialogue was really dumb, but it's okay. Also, just, like, so much happens here. Like, there's a fucking 
Dr. Manhattan, Bruce Wayne, for some reason, that's teased. Um, and also the blackest night rings are in this book. Uh, Crazy. Um, so to, to answer your question, uh, I, I remember the events of Dark Knight Metals from, um, Dark Knight's Metal from 2017, 2018, but I haven't read Scott Snyder's Justice League. Uh, and there are events from that that uh, kind of lead off into here. But honestly, I don't. I, I think this is from what from what I gathered. I don't think it matters too much to have that kind of history of DC because there's a giant double spread double spread page where um, it goes through like the, the entire events history of DC. Um, I, I guess I, I guess a criticism I would have is there there are too many words in this book and that's definitely a, a Scott Snyder thing. That is yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a little. But yeah, we the first issue of Metal was like that too. It was very we called it out for being very um, uh, set uppy. Yeah. yeah, but I but I my thing is we called it out, but I don't think that was a bad thing because I think to answer Sean's question. I hadn't read anything going into Dark Knight's Metal, and I've read nothing since that going into Dark Knight's Death Metal. And guess what? I could follow both of them, and that's because yeah, he of definitely that. does because it literally is like, definitely, hey, we're gonna catch you up. He definitely does a really good job of letting you know what he wants you to know to continue. Yeah, and I didn't have any any problem with that. Like, I didn't, you know, I I as as the reader who that page is intended for, I appreciated it. Because it let me enjoy the book. Um, and just to answer like your initial question of what we thought, yo, this book is hype as fuck. I love this book. <laughs> it's so, so extra. And awesome. like Phil said, like, oh, like it's like kind of like dumb at times or whatever, but like I feel like that's like it should be. You know, like that's like the energy it's trying to come with and like dumb energy. Yeah. And like I'm here for it. Like it's big and dumb and loud. And like that's like that's heavy metal, bro. Like (laughs) I mean that with like no shade. Like it's just like metal is about being extra. This book is extra as fuck. Like Wonder Woman builds a chainsaw from her fucking invisible jet. Like that's extra over the top stupid bullshit and I'm here for it. Like it's awesome. Not just that, but the cord is the lasso of truth. Yeah, yep. Beautiful. Oh my God, I didn't even fucking put that together until right now. That's even better. God, Pete, use your brain. (laughs) I'm sorry, my brain turned off at some point in this book because I was just like, this is just, this is eye candy. (laughs) So compared to Dark Knight's Metal, uh, I had read the entire, like uh, pretty much the entirety of everything leading up to it from the perspective of like the event itself. Um, But for this and for this one, I felt a little bit more lost because I hadn't been reading the Justice League stuff and I hadn't done that in, in like in preparation for this. So I wasn't necessarily sure where we are in terms of universes. And when they made mention of like only eight left, it it, uh, it made me feel like there was a lot that had been happening behind the scenes that for me to fully grasp, I needed context on. But for the, the purposes of the story, I think I was it was just a little off as to why the characters were where they were. And I'm not sure if that's because it's, 
like an alternate universe or if it's because that's where they get left off um from another series they did say in the beginning that it's the main universe right but like the main universe in another universe or like the main universe because that's where they got left off it's taking place in regular continuity in the regular universe and things have just gotten bad um the batman who laughs has essentially taken over uh, Perpetua is the big bad, and uh, she. Long story short, uh, she got unlocked after everything that happened in uh, Metal, and things have only exacerbated that problem since then. Um, do you think? Do you think she's Pandora? No, from the early New Fifty Two. I don't. Even though she's been unlocked and unleashed. They opened Pandora's uh, box. I said that in, on the on the book club episode, but I think it, I don't think I think we concluded that it wasn't her. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. Probably didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got the the Joker dragons back. <laughs> Those the things best. are fucking crazy. Crazy, crazy dude. They're so silly. I love that. Um, uh, Mister Miracle is is. Uh, um, uh, he's in a straight jacket. Ran- like it's so it's so random, but like I guess they captured him and they put him in what never works. Um, <laughs> Jonah Hex is a zombie now, and he's the prettiest. Well, one. He's the prettiest person there. Yeah, I could get behind that. Uh, Jonah Hex zombie western. Give me that zombie. So that's western. what I'm saying. Like this whole this whole book. Like every one of those things just sounds like fan fiction. Like the drawing of Batman in this fucking trench coat with the crossbow too is just so like a deviant art. Like you know, like oh, what if Batman was Van Helsing? Like, and it's just it's just epic as shit. So that's a that's a good point, Pete. I think if you're gonna lean into the fan fiction qualities, you gotta lean in hard. Yeah, and like that's what this book is, you know, like is even like all the, like the the page spread of all of the alternate Batman, you know, and it's like, oh, what about Clayface Batman? What about Plastic Man Batman? What about Scarecrow Batman? It's uh, all right, yeah, like fucking a, like like if you're gonna do it, do it. I feel I I don't know, like I want to agree with you because I had fun with the book, but I also kind of wish it was a little bit more controlled. Like I really like the Wonder Woman parts a lot, and uh, I was I connected with her the most. Um, the other stuff felt zany, and it, it didn't it didn't feel real. Like it, it didn't it didn't feel substance. Like there was any substance there, and the but the Wonder Woman stuff with her with um, the Batman who laughs and stuff that all felt true. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. I want to feel like that with the rest of the book. Like the original metal took itself a little bit more seriously yes. than this one. Uh, and I like that about that book. Like it's it's loose and it's fun, but there's still a, a very much a story and a structure that is serious in terms of its implications. You mean you didn't like when Batman put on a Black Lantern ring and summoned an army of zombies? Oh, no, no, no. That was absolutely amazing right, and cool. <laughs> i love i love batman with the with the black lantern ring i just but yeah 
No, I totally get what you mean, and I think like if I was but more that has in on to do with what he said. <laughs> I think if I was more in on um, what was going on in the mainline books, I, I think I would probably like agree with you a little bit more. But like just coming into this as like an, a follow up event to an event that I felt was very much defined by how fun it was, I was like, we're just up in the ante here. Like it feels like it's escalating on that, and. I get it where like I feel like it gets a little bit like jumping the shark moments, but like No, that's what the book is. It's jumping the bat. Shark. Yeah, exactly. And like I'm digging it for that. <laughs> um Yeah, I sort of when when you put it that way, Sean, I sort of feel like um the crazy stuff that happens is like uh is like, okay, this is how the world is, and then after um Wonder Woman I don't know, I guess kills the Batman who laughs. Uh, at that point, that's when you're supposed to go, oh, what the fuck is coming next? Right, right. I, I, and I agree, I totally agree with you on that, 100%. And, and I'm pretty confident that next issue, the feelings that I have right now, will at, at the very least be lessened. Yeah, I mean, the reality is this issue is very nonsensical. It's convoluted. Nothing really makes a ton of sense. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I feel comics, like this. Wonder Woman chops the Joker Batman in half with an invisible chainsaw, so that's pretty fun. I feel, that that's fantastic. I, I think the book is asking, begging you not to think about it too hard right now. And I, I, yeah, and I say, and that's fine. And I whisper back to the void, okay. <laughs> Yeah, because I, I, I agree with you. Like, I very much think it's just like, come on this ride with us. And you either are down or you're not, you know? And like, I'm down. <laughs> and, and as am I. I'm, I'm, I'm down. There's not any ounce of me that doesn't want to read this and go on this ride. But it's it's just about, me. you know, this is the culmination. Like, you got to understand. Allegedly, right, according to the people in charge and the people who are doing this book, this is the culmination of a lot of years of storytelling, right? And I want to see that honored. Yeah. You know, because those things matter. So I think we can have fun, but I also think we can treat the the stuff that's happening with some level of seriousness. And if the first issue is going to be this, and then it's going to kind of tone itself down and get into a more real place, then that's cool. But I don't think I want this only for the next uh, however many issues. I'm with you on that too, where I think like if everything's like that, then it's not special. So like if, if this is the, hey, this is the opening issue, so we want to catch your attention and have a bunch of crazy hype moments so that you're like, this book is hype. Cool. Because that came across. <laughs> uh, Swamp Thing was hype. No, he's Bro. Oh, he's, yo, he's, he was straight up in flames and consistently burning. That was metal, bro. Dude, his, his design is so... In flames, that's a band. Oh, in shit, flames. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. Hold on, can we just? Can we? They're just, Swedish, right? Or something? They're like a Norwegian melodic metal band, right? Yeah. Can we just refer to anything we like by saying that's metal? In yes, this book, can. definitely. Yeah, no, that's what I <laughs> mean. For the remainder of this episode, we can. Yeah. <laughs> that's country western. Nope, get out Dude, of here. Also, <laughs> that that scene where B Rex is just yelling at Swamp Thing. How do you like them arms? Stupid fucker or whatever. Stupid. Like, 
So Dude. stupid. It is That's... stupid, but the idea that there's a Batman and a T-Rex is stupid. And I'm, it's just, it's funny, man. It's good. No, like, so, that's metal. That's so hip-hop and that R&B. That is metal. Oh, my God. What's oh, so also God. good? <laughs> that's so jazz. Okay, so also good? Adult that's so classic contemporary. Kale, you could have spread them out, man. Jeez. <laughs> that's, you know what, Sean? That's folk. You're doing you're doing the Tom King thing right folk now. Folk you. Nice. That was a metal joke. I'll give you that. Thanks, man. You know, every now and then. Um, Power metal. It's fine. Speed metal. I'll give you that. Yeah. I, I feel like we've kind of covered the book, though, and that's the crazy part, is that yeah. the first... <laughs> The, the good parts of the issue, ones we talked about. Yeah, I mean, we but we kind of like went over the whole thing pretty much. Like, there's that Wally West stuff, which I gotta tell you, I just did not Give care about. Fuck. Yep, I don't care. I don't. I'm not gonna care about Wally West ever again for a while. I don't think. Wait, yeah, why? Like, why? Heroes in because crisis. of Heroes in Crisis. What? Are you kidding me? That was such a meditation on Marco. Oh uh, I came. I came bullshit on that. <laughs> That's metal. <laughs> and I I feel like this scene was intended to redeem him in the well, there are probably a lot of people reading this book that didn't read Heroes in Crisis. But if you only read events or whatever, I feel like this was intended to kind of redeem him. Wonder Woman, you know, embraces him and it's this very like, n- you know, nice moment or whatever between them and she's motherly or caring towards him. I don't have those feelings towards this character. Yeah. Totally fair. Yeah, I guess I really read it as he establishes the the status quo, and that's where that is where I checked out. I definitely with am with you with you, Sean. Where I feel like there, this felt like it was written as kind of like a redemption song for him, of like a oh, like a, this this wasn't me, and I want to just be me again, and you know. Yeah, that felt like a very coded oh. kind of message for me, you know? More, yeah. Most importantly... I'm, I'm not on Yeah, that. ignoring the shit that no one cares about, the Wally West stuff. It feels like... It feels like... <laughs> it feels like an entire line of coke was snorted, and it's like, let's go! Book! Rip! That's like this whole issue. Yeah. It's just... Or like, you just imagine a group of comic book creators sitting around all coked up, just like, what if Batman was stuck in a T-Rex? And then what if Wonder Woman had an invisible chainsaw? Like... And they're just like, yeah, this is fucking genius! (laughs) That... That was too good. Let's uh, have a seat with me. Let's have a chat. That was speed metal. That was literally that was coke metal. <laughs> how do you think they make speed metal, Sean? <laughs> Listen, I know how they make speed. Metal. Man wasn't made to go that fast. <laughs> uh, so, oh, but yeah, I, I, so how about the ahead. fact that there's like Batman, doc, who's good, like Doctor Manhattan, Batman? What the fuck's that about? <laughs> who's who's to say? Who cares? The final Bruce Wayne. So fucking dumb. I'm here for it. Just everybody I'm, can be Doctor Manhattan now. I guess is I'm with you. We're just di- we're just diarying all over Alan Moore now. I look, and I, I'm with you because I've argued on this show before. Hey man, listen, it's fair game. It's comics, right or wrong. His work is owned by DC Comics. It is what it is. But I want to see all of it treated respectfully. 
I think before Watchmen did that, even if you didn't like all those stories, I don't think they were trying to shit on, not that he's trying to shit on it, but like, I think they were trying to be respectful. I think that Doomsday Clock was that. I think it tried to honor the legacy. And I think the show was that. I think it tried to honor the legacy. This feels out of place and it doesn't feel right. It feels this wrong. feels like what we were afraid Doomsday Clock was going to be. Like, what yep. if Batman and Rorschach got in a fist fight? And it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, I don't right. know about this one. And I get it because Doomsday Clock has greater ramifications on the DCU and like they needed to tie that in to this event for some reason nah, and like I'm whatever not, but like this feels like a step too far I'm not I'm not going to put that shit on a pedestal this this issue is a bunch of dumb shit thrown together where it's like Batman Superman Superman is Batman yeah okay uh no I'm sorry Batman is Superman and then it's like uh uh let's put black lantern rings in it what if the uh, anti monitor was Batman what if Dr. Manhattan was Batman? It's just dumb shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I'm it I don't I don't care that much. I'm not like clutching my pearls over it, but you know. And what the hell is up with Sergeant Rock? You know what? I actually enjoyed that part of the Yeah, part. yeah very much so. <laughs> I I thought that was a, a a real like fun way to enter it because it was like very out of left field and I was like what the fuck is happening and I was like oh cool we're just we're doing I forget what the fancy Latin way to say it is but we're starting the story in the middle of the story got it um yeah I like him Epistolary? no that's not right I like him a lot I was happy to see him the writing was kind of dumb but whatever I knew what I was getting into yeah yeah yep but uh, (laughs) I uh I, I definitely liked like how he's like breaking the fourth wall and like Batman's like, no, like we're, we're fighting right now. He's like, right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, this man is not well. <laughs> the, the art in this book, I feel like is just so good. Like if you've, if you've read any of the stuff that these guys have done together. And, and I, when I say these guys, I mean, literally the whole creative team, like this is the same creative team from Snyder's, Batman run. Uh, if if you if you like that, this is that art ratcheted up even further and even better than it's ever been before. Um, I think the book is so good looking, and you can tell that Greg is having a blast. Like B Rex, great man. I love it, like rules, come dude. on. I love that one Roman asked if rules. I love if one Roman asked if he can drive the Batmobile, <laughs> and he's like, "I can eat you whole." All right, dude. Yeah, when she's when she's just like, "Oh, can you throw batarangs with those stubby arms?" And he's like, "They're proportional, and I'm working on it." <laughs> just, look at the look at look at the panel on that. Ne- I, I believe it's it, is it that next page where um they're in front of that green pool and B Rex has like the bat symbol. Yeah, in his head in the shadows, man. Like, come on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And I feel like the place where what Snyder's going for is best represented is in the art, because you can do things like that. Like that doesn't impact the story in any way. That's not even story. That's just how he looks, and it's hilarious. <laughs> you know, and it's a small thing, but it's great. And like, I think one of the things I like about it too is that <clears throat> the the energy of this book. It very much feels like 
like stuff that like a kid would draw, you know, or like stuff that like uh, like a like a twelve year old who's like re- like just discovered Ozzy Osbourne would be like, what if Batman was like a fucking T Rex and he had like a cool fucking black bat cow in his face and it's, there's a mouth in or face in the mouth and it's just like yeah, dude, like just go for it, just do this weird wacky over the top shit, cause like. That's what's fun about comics is, like, when you get to just cut loose and shit. Like, I'm all for the serious stuff. Like, we want weighty stories, but once in a while, like, give me a goofy popcorn comic. It's good shit. Yeah, on this show, we like good shit. And this is the good shit. Because <laughs> that's metal. That's metal, baby. And so is this podcast. Uh, that's going to do it for our review of Dark Knight's Death Metal number one. Definitely we'll be back with another review of this whenever the second issue drops. Uh, and maybe we'll do a tie-in or two. Who knows? We'll see. If I can get these guys to read a tie-in, I will. <laughs> if there's uh, any of it you could get me to read a tie-in for, it's probably this one. <laughs> <laughs> Shit is I'm wild. never going to get over <laughs> Wonder Woman with that chainsaw, man. That's just Dude, it was just, it's hype. It's hype as fuck. <laughs> Never getting over it. Um, let us know your thoughts about this book or Strange Adventures number two or anything else we talked about on this episode of the podcast by hitting us up. You guys have our lines. Use them. You can get us on social media at the Comics Pals. You can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. Tell us how sensational we really aren't. By hitting us up on YouTube, you can leave us a like while you're commenting uh you can share the video with your friends and subscribe to our channel for more awesome content hit the notification bell to be made aware of when we drop new content and join our discord come engage in the conversation if you had thoughts about death metal that we didn't tackle talk about it if you agree with marco about strange adventures number two come talk about that if you are entertained enough by what Scott's or Zack Snyder, sorry, did in his DC movies, and you're excited about Justice Con? Come tell us about that. We want to hear it. On our Discord server, there's a link to it. You can join us. Come be a part of the party. Let's do some plugs. Pete. Thank you guys for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you want to connect with me, <clears throat> the main man. You can follow at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. That was a Lobo joke. Um, yeah, you are fucking Lobo. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking bastiche. Uh, so follow me at loud underscore Pete. Let me know what's up. What have you been reading, watching, playing these days? Um, uh, I'll probably be knee deep in The Last of Us this week. So if you're playing Last of Us 2 and you want to chat with me about it, come hit me up. I'd be love to hear your thoughts. Uh, and if you want to get some more content from me, head over to Lou Pots. I do their uh, weekly Nintendo podcast, The Podcast, and the Patreon exclusive show After Dark. You can check both of those out. Uh, sometimes I stream on twitch.tv slash Um But uh, also tune in for our next stream over on twitch.tv slash comicspouse. They've been good. Absolutely. Come hang out. Marco. Oh, I'm sorry. Kale. Sorry. You, I lost. I lost track. You, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto and Toe. That's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W. Don't come talk to me. I like the peace and quiet. Um, I'm trying to get a kid Goku figure with the purple costume. So if you got a hookup there, help me out. Um, uh, other than that, you can find my comics at kaleward.com. That's C-L-E-W-A-R-D.com. I got like monsters and shit in, in my books. So they're, they're free. You can come see them for free. Sweet. 
Now, Marco. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Mr. Marco Nomoto. Come talk to me about, definitely come talk to me about uh, Strange Adventure number two. I, if you guys have any other opinions on that, we'd love to hear it. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And um, I'm going to be reading the string bags this weekend, the aforementioned Dead Reckoning book. Uh, and I think I'm pretty much done with my Gundam binge, but I would love to keep talking about it. So please do if you are so in, uh, it's inclined. It's truly over. You're definitely never truly over. The only reason it's over is because I can't get access to any other show right now. Phil? You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at CyborgBebop. And if you choose to do so, let me know if you're eating Papa John's. Furthermore, I'd like to hear your theories on what Jurassic Park would have been like with B-Rex in it. Oh my god. It would have been amazing and glorious and something that i hope they can do on the big screen <laughs> as for me uh you can find me on twitter and instagram only at sean soapbox hit me up to talk about the last of us but not part one or not part two part one because i just started that and uh nice. anything else that you're into right now i'm into a lot i got so many games during the days of play sale from uh the playstation so what else you get? I'll be knee-deep in video games. Anything else hot? What else you get? Oh, shoot. Shoot, man. Oh, I got a lot. I got Metal Gear Solid Five for $5. I got... And I already own that game, but I was like, oh, it's the Definitive Edition. It's $5. Done. I got uh, Ratchet and Clank. Ooh, this is the college pal nice. signing off. We'll see you next I'm time. I'm sorry. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with that, we're the Comics Pal signing off. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye. I, I got Bioshock on that collection. So. I still gotta get that.